This is Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily with Andrew Hustler-Patterson and Michael Remus. Hey everyone, how's it going? Welcome to a wonderful Monday edition of Winnipeg Sports Talk. Michael Remus in for Hustler here. He was at the AFC Championship game where his Kansas City Chiefs uh, punched their ticket to the Super Bowl. So he's on his way back to Winnipeg. I'm filling in. And what a day to fill in. I knew it was going to be a big show after Saturday's uh, loss to the Flyers. We're going to talk about the Winnipeg Jets. Uh, We're going to be chatting some Super Bowl as well. Jets take on the Blues tonight in the final game uh, before this break that they've been itching. To get to, and we'll also touch on the passing of Bobby Hull at 84 years old. Um, a lot of guests today. Um, Matt Leibel, the sports rabbi, he's going to be hopping on. Uh, Luke Korak covers the blues for NHL.com. He's going to join me. Jeff Hamilton of the Winnipeg Free Press. Um, we'll touch on a lot of topics with him. Brad Gagnon of Bleacher Report on the NFL. And last guest, uh, Peter Young. Uh, legendary Winnipeg sports broadcaster. We'll be touching on uh, Bobby Hull's legacy and what he meant to the uh, Winnipeg's hockey history. Um, Got to give a shout out to the sponsors first: uh, Manitoba Battery, Wallace and Wallace, Consolidated Supply, Vita Health, Royal Sports, Boston Pizza, F Apparel, Culligan Water, Princess Auto, Nick and Nikki DQ, Little Brown Jug, and Canadian Club. Without these sponsors, we wouldn't be here today giving this content. So big shout out to them and thank we thank them for their support. I thank everyone uh, who's in chat today. What's up? How are you guys? If you're enjoying the show, or at least the start of it, hey, hit the thumbs up uh, below and subscribe to the channel. If you haven't already, we're pushing towards 9K subs. Uh, well, where, what are we here? Uh, I remember it was just Friday's show. We wrapped up the Jets' return home after the road trip against Buffalo, where they had the dreaded, uh, what, first game back from a road trip curse. Not a great game at all. Buffalo skated circles around the Jets, but hey, they had a late push and only lost 3-2. And you thought, okay, this is just uh, one, one game. You know, they'll pick it up. They can pick up the pieces. And Saturday, you know, a great opponent coming in out of a playoff spot, Philadelphia Flyers. Uh, it did not go well. Uh, four nothing showed out. Shout out to Carter Hart. Uh, we had the mercy poll again for uh, Connor Hellebuck. Uh, it was not not a great game. Fans two games in a row leaving like uh, they didn't get their monies. Or if you're not seeing, you know that 60 minute effort that we had seen. Uh, the Jets now coming into tonight lost three in a row, five of their last seven wins coming against Flyers in Ottawa, and those losses. Uh, five goals in those five losses. And it just seems like to me, since the Jets win against Tampa early January, they haven't been the same Jets that we saw for the first half of the season where they ended the first half uh, in first place in the West. Um, you know, they had that game Sunday, the 8th against Vancouver. They won 7-4, but they acknowledged after they didn't play the right way. They went on the road trip. Uh, I mean, the ugly start against Detroit really sunk them, and for, they had a push for the rest of the game but couldn't pull out the W. Buffalo was a tight one that they were able to uh, pull out a win. Pittsburgh, you thought they had turned a corner where they played you know, their most complete game of the year, um, but that wasn't the case. They returned home for the one against Arizona. 
where, you know, they got the win, but I don't think they played like they deserved to win. Head back on the road trip. Losses to Montreal, Toronto. Beat up on the Sanders, squeaking by the Flyers. And then again, uh, road trip ended with a loss to Nashville. Home losses to Buffalo and Philadelphia. So, um, what, we're on day 24 since that game against Tampa. They would have played 13 games in 24 games days. Been 12 games in 22. The Jets have gotten away from the style of play in the first half. Um, you know, playing 60-minute effort, playing strong in front of the net at both ends, um, quick decision making. You're seeing a lot of, you know, trying to make that perfect play, which we saw last year. And they seem to acknowledge there's a problem here. Thursday, you know, they came in early, uh, didn't work. Saturday, but they canceled the morning skate. And Rick Bone is trying to get his team going. Had a brief spark. After that timeout, down two nothing on Saturday, but uh, you know couldn't quite pull it together. I think there's some positives here, though. Um, they're still second in the Central Division, 63 points. They're six one eight points percentage, ninth in the league, still third in the conference in points percentage. They got a positive goal differential. Easy to have a skies falling mentality right now, but they're still in a good spot. They've played good hockey. However, we're getting flashbacks. Uh, to last season, which uh, was mentioned by Bonus in Saturday's clip. I'm also starting to think of 2019 here, guys. Um, the Jets were in first place in January and then backed into the playoffs, losing to the Blues in six games. Speaking of the Blues, that's the Jets' opponent tonight. And the Blues have a losing streak of their own, uh, four games. And the last time we saw the Blues, early October, the Jets had one of those complete games, which we haven't seen lately. The Blues then went on an eight-game losing streak and followed that up with a seven-game win streak. And we'll talk more on the Blues later. Um, just I uh, got to bring in libel here. He's pa- waiting patiently, but just uh, practice notes for today. Um, they didn't have any line rushes. Mason Appleton still in a yellow non-contact jersey. He is going to be back for the first game after the break. Logan Stan, the one lineup change. Logan Stanley. He's a healthy scratch for Kyle Capobianco. And Bone said no change on the forward. So I'm going to assume these are the lines: Connor Dubois, Perfetti, Ehlers, Shafley, Wheeler, Bear, and Lowry Coolman. Menelainen, Stanlin, Gagne, Morrissey, Pionk, Sandberg, Dillon, Capo, Bianco, Schmidt, Hellebuck, and goal. And we'll see what happens with the lines. There was some major shuffling at the end, but the big story for me coming out of Saturday's game was Rick Bonus's uh, very passionate, passionate post game where he called out the team for their lack of effort. And I thought I would start off the show and uh, I, I made a super cut of that we posted on our social medias of his comments. Here is Rick Bonus after Saturday's loss to the Flyers 4-0 shutout. Hey, podcast listeners, I just wanted to let you know that when I went to play the clip live, it did not work. I am inserting it here, so you will get to hear it as intended, but you will also get to hear me and Matthew joke about the technical difficulties I encountered. There's a price to pay to win in this league, and you have to work, and you have to compete. And you have to do it every night. And as the season progresses, it gets harder. And right now, it seems to, you're, you're seeing what we're seeing. As soon as there's a little adversity, this group, we haven't handled it. We handled it well early in the year. We're not handling it well right now. Uh, the difference makers, you can't even find them out there. So until we, we make that commitment again to play as a team and we want to win, this is what you get. We're a good hockey team. 
but you have to work and you have to compete. And as soon as it gets tough, you can't change from that. Right now we're going through a spell where as soon as the adversity kicks in, we're going on our own program, which is the problem with the, all of last year. We thought we had corrected it. Now we got to correct it again, and we will. Matthew, how's it going? How are you? I want people are asking for you, Libel. Actually, we had you on a, a couple I know. weeks ago. I was two weeks ago. Two weeks, two weeks ago, weeks ago yeah. Yeah. where the Jets were in first place. They're playing well. And you were, came in, you were not a believer. And that's right. That's what I said. That's what I said. And people were caught. What did you tell me? I don't, I don't follow your chat. chat you said told me you that- were being too negative for a first place team. <laughs> and I kind of agreed. And some people say you were, some people said, what, you jinxed the Jets, but I think maybe you were actually, uh, Proven right. Is that correct? Would you, you want to pat well, yourself I mean, on the back here? Well, I, I'm not going to do that because I don't want to be, you know, um, taking any kind of credit or delight in our team's misfortune. I am still a Winnipegger. I am freezing cold today. I've been outside. I'm not outside now, but I, I'm like everybody here. I, I'm a Winnipegger, a diehard Winnipegger, and the Jets are my team. They're our team. So I'm not here kind of hating on the Jets and hoping that they fail and getting some kind of pleasure or delight out of that. It's just that. I was listening to Hustler and you and talking about the Jets. I've listened to my friends. I've listened to fans out there. Everyone very excited through half a season, not even really maybe a true half a season of them playing really, really well and saying, oh, they're back. They're doing great. And I'm like, and my whole take was I watch them play. I look at the roster. It's virtually the same team as last year and the year before and even 2019 that you were alluding to earlier in your comments here in the introduction. And I was just kind of saying, if you need me to be jumping on board as a full-on believer that this is a team that's a top five team in the NHL or even a top five team in the Western Conference, I, I got to be shown more. I got to be shown an entire season, especially now once the games start ramping up. And then you did a great job there, Remus, of detailing what their January has been like. And there's a little bit of a mirage before I came on two weeks ago, kind of leading into it. But certainly, I came on. That night, they went to Montreal. They looked terrible. Didn't look good against Toronto either. Okay, they beat Ottawa. They had to win a game. Beat Philly, fine. Nashville, that game could have gone either way. I think everyone agreed it was not a great road trip. I was at the game on on Thursday against Buffalo. Uh, Saw Huster, the game we were chatting, and... That was maybe their worst game of the year. And they've had a couple of clunkers. I've been at a few games that felt like clunkers. The Washington game in December, went to the Leafs game back in October. I feel like I was, maybe I am a bit of a jinx when I show up, but uh, I don't really believe it. I think that this team is a good team, but the analogy I would use is, say you have a buddy, say you have a pal, you've known really, really well, and he's a bit of a, lazy out of shape slob year after year after year he eats poorly he doesn't go to the gym if he does he goes once every three weeks and he's always talking about how he's got to get in shape he's got to eat better but he's constantly running to the drive-thru and he's not doing anything and you're just like okay you keep talking but let me see something and then all of a sudden one year maybe he makes a new year's resolution and after a couple of months he's lost a bunch of weight he's eating well he's in really great shape you want to believe him. He's your buddy. You cheer for him. But there's so much on his resume. There's so much past performance that suggests 
that you haven't seen enough to believe that he's really going to change his ways. And there's always that very real possibility he's going to slip back into being that lazy, out of sh- out of shape, bad eating slob that you've known most of your life. That's kind of how I feel oh. about these Winnipeg Jets. That's kind of how I feel about it. They got these elite players. We know who they are. We know who Kyle Connor is. We know how fantastic he is. We know what Ehlers can do and Shifley and Dubois. What a year for Dubois. And Morrissey, what a year. And Hellebuck. We, we know these guys. But as a team, there's still that same team that broke our hearts and that turns out these efforts that Rick Bonus spoke about exactly on Saturday night after the loss of the Flyers. We look too much like last year's team. We look like the team that Paul Maurice just threw his hands up in the air and left or whatever the story was there. We look like the team that in 2019, like you said, was in first at this time of the year and fell apart. And until they get through at least a full season and prove to us maybe after some of this adversity that they can bounce back, that they, that they maybe have taken a step and have learned. I'm not expecting them to change. I'm just expecting them to learn and to be able to do things differently. So I hadn't seen that at the point when I showed up two weeks ago. So I appreciate all the people in the chat who think that I have this kind of supernatural power to jinx a professional sports team. I, I just think that um, I don't think they're as bad by any means as they've been playing in the last two weeks, but I don't think that they were as good as a lot of people were saying they were when I came on with you guys last time. I think they need some, I think they need this break desperately. I think they need a tremendous effort tonight. I'm not going to say that a game on January 30th is must win, but because of the timing and the break and everything that's led up to it, they need to play, like you said, a complete game against the Blues. They absolutely need the W. But more than that, they need to play it and do it the right way. We don't want them to squeak out a win or luck out a win, maybe like that Arizona game you were referencing. They need a complete effort. They need everything to be firing. They need to show us that they can bounce back after playing like crap at home on a Saturday night with everyone watching against Philly. That's the problem, right? When you go to Toronto and you go to Montreal, a lot of people across Canada don't watch the Jets on a regular basis. They can't even watch it on TSN the way we can here. So when they play Montreal, this is one of the only times that that market is seeing our team play. They sucked. Same thing in Toronto. Then on Saturday night, the entire country's watching Hockey Night in Canada, and that's the effort. Four nothing shut out at home. The place is so quiet. You thought there was nobody there. They, they need a better effort tonight. So I'm going to call it a must win game tonight. I think they can do it. I think they need it. Hey, let's see if Rick Bonus really is the coach that has turned this team around because he claims that the Jets and he agree with what they need to do. And tonight we'll see it. So for all the people who think I've jinxed them, I'm trying to reverse the jinx. But it's up to them. And then they need to hit the break. And then they need some help uh, with the trade deadline, I think, to boost this roster and see if they can really turn these last three months of the season into um, into something special to get them on the right way into the playoffs. Because they are a playoff team. There's no question they're a playoff team. But how far will they go? Just making the playoffs isn't good. Isn't good enough. They need to have a – they need to – with the way they've started this year and with the way they've been the last couple of seasons, they need, a, they need to win at least a round, I think, maybe even two. And I think that there is potential there, but they need to help themselves and they need their GM to help them a little bit at the deadline too. So that's where I'm at on the Jets heading into tonight's game. Right? I'm just like sitting here imagining the Jets as fat out of shape. So could you have picked a nicer analogy, Matthew? Could you I pick- never said fat. I never said fat. I said, oh, I did said you- lazy, out of shape slobs. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, it was implied. It was implied. 
I didn't say it though. <laughs> okay, fine. Look, I'm, I'm call names like that. <laughs> I'm half paying attention Look, here. I'm trying to do some troubleshooting, trying to get these clips, trying to get this, this clip because this is your show. You're hosting the show. You can't half pay attention. Well, for you, I can. Maybe not other other guests. Oh. I don't. <laughs> anyway, I just I, I I it's. I'll tell you though that there yeah. are other things that are really troubling me. I mean, I don't know how many games. Rebus, do you get to a lot of games these days with having like the kids? No, at home this and the show so. And no, I'm going to be honest. Like my wife had, we had our second child November 1st. So we're dealing with a lot of lack of sleep issues. So first half of the year, I haven't been able to make it out to as many as I would like. I maybe went to, I'm not even going to say, but hopefully in the second half, uh, our schedule is better. I do, you know, I watch them. I PVR all the games. I'm, I'm, I'm paying attention closely us, but yes, I agree. Going is a different experience. Yeah. Yeah, I'll I'll tell you one thing though. It's 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 on the topic of the Jets. Like, I was watching Saturday night's game at home. I mentioned I went on Thursday, watching Saturday night's game on home. We're not going tonight, but I'll watch it. And on Saturday night, these are national broadcasters, right? Guys who don't yeah. do the Jets games very often. There were repeated comments about how quiet the arena was, the energy level in the arena. We were saying the same thing on Thursday. I found myself saying that more often than not the last several times I've gone. I, I don't know what it is. I know that they don't sell as many tickets. I know that there maybe there's still some kind of there's some kind of COVID hangover. I'm not entirely sure, but I, there's there's um I can't put my finger on why, but I certainly recognize that there is an, a problem with that in-game atmosphere. I, I don't know necessarily how True North goes about addressing no. or fixing it. Well, I just hope that they're aware, but they need to. They need to energize the crowd to help energize the team. It's not just about the hockey on the ice energizing the fans. The fans need to be able to get pumped up themselves and to energize the team. And that isn't happening either at home. There's no home ice advantage anymore if there was, which I think we certainly agree a decade ago there was. There's no home ice advantage anymore for the Winnipeg Jets. And that's a problem too. That's something that needs to be talked okay. about, I believe. I'm going to disagree with you because on games where they're playing well, the arena is rocking. You look at their home record until the last two. I mean, it was among tops in the league. So I think I would disagree there, but I, I'm seeing some comments. You know, that's a comment that we've seen in chat before. I think the organization realizes that we're not in the honeymoon 2011 uh, period right now. Um, but, I, but I never really thought it was a crowd. I thought just the, the team energizes the crowd, but you think they need to get into it. But... Uh, I don't know, but the play of the last two games, I think it'd be hard to energize, hard to get energized. I mean, people are leaving early. Uh, people are getting booed. Rick Bone is saying, I was surprised there wasn't more boos as I try to get this clip, uh, this clip for the audio to play. But um, I don't know. I don't know if I necessarily agree. And I did put out a question in the chat house. Is tonight's game a must win? Early, early on, 80 people voting, 75%. Say yes, it is, and I don't know yeah. if it's a I don't know if it's a must win, but I think you'd really, really like to win to feel good before the break. I don't know if it's going to make or I mean, it's a team of the Blues out of the playoffs, division rival who you always play hard. Um, you know, Money Puck has or not has uh, Libel has them at sixty nine point four percent to win. They're heavy favorite on the cool bet odds, so I mean, we're expecting. I mean the math is expecting a win um and the team look they're firmly in a playoff spot right now i don't know if they necessarily need it but i think you'd like to win to feel good so i don't know where you stand on on must win here 
Well, yeah. Well, so, uh, yeah, I, I will take, I would rather a complete effort that this team is capable of and, you know, puck luck, you could lose by a goal, whatever, whatever happens, than to play poorly and eke out a victory. Like, I, I don't think that it's just about the standings. I think it's about this team really responding to a bad road trip and two bad games at home since they came back. I think that that's what I need to see. And I think that the reason why I would, if that makes it a must win, I, what I think it is, it's a must show up. They didn't show up against Buffalo. They didn't show up against Philadelphia. They need to show up and not just be there on time. I'm talking about they need to show up and play shown up for 60 minutes. Something we've said about this team since back when I was on the radio with you guys. And it's kind of carried all the way through. And what Bonus was saying the other night, if you get that clip going, they have to show up. They have to deliver. They have to play their game and dictate it. And, and yeah, you want to disagree with me. That's fine. Use the home ice to their, to their advantage. They're going on a week and a half break here, nearly two week break. They absolutely have to send a message to themselves more than to the blues, more than to the rest of the league. They need confidence hitting this break. If they play lousy and lose, there's a lot of time off where they're going to hear a lot of chatter and a lot of chatter. And they need to, they need some confidence going back, going into this break. So that's what I'm pushing for. That's what I want to see tonight. Yeah. I'm, I'm, Really frustrated. This is the first time I ever had this issue with this clip um, not working. So um, I'll keep well, don't trying. Worry about it. Let's let's. I'll keep yeah, trying. See what you could do. Let, we could hit the other topics. You mentioned that um, we learned that Bobby Hall passed away yeah. earlier this morning, I, and of course we have the football from yesterday. So I'm, sure. I'm ready I mean, for I have you. Whatever you want to throw at me. Okay. I was going to ask you. So you're a rabbi, and we need your rabbinical opinion here. Bobby Hall. Oh my! Yes. Passing away. Brought, yes. Did a lot. For Winnipeg and hockey put Winnipeg on the map in terms of yeah. um, when he moved from the NHL to the WHA signing the contract. But we know personal life far, far from perfect, Matthew. How, how do we balance oh, for sure? Um, you know, when you have a fan of an athlete or, or, you know, someone like that, who, you know, maybe does a lot for you, you know, does a lot on, on the ice, but maybe in their personal life, not exactly um, a model citizen. Yeah, and, and to review some of the things with, with Bobby Hull, there, there's a lot of articles out there. And one of the headlines that I thought captured it very perfectly to answer your question was, uh, was something like Bobby Hull, um, hockey star with checkered past, passes away. And I think that's just what you have to do. You have to be honest. You have to tell the whole story. I think you can't be too much of a fan of just Bobby Hull, the hockey player, to ignore what we've learned or what we've heard about about Bobby Hull, the man off the ice. And I also think that you can't completely discredit him as a hockey player because of some of the things that we've learned, if that makes sense. Makes sense. And let's keep in mind, one of those things, I think it was late 90s, like as a rabbi you mentioned, he was saying things about Hitler and the Nazis to a newspaper in Moscow. I mean, and on top of that, there's about like maybe Hitler not being so bad, he had some good ideas. That's a problem. And of course... Um, there are legal documents where ex-wives of his, or I think even his, uh, maybe his third wife, talked about assault and abuse, and uh, he attacked a police officer. And like these are legitimate things that there are court records. So you can't you can't just ignore any of it. You can't ignore what he was as a hockey player. Tremendous as a hockey player in Chicago, a tremendous goal scorer of his time in the sixties, one of the greatest goal scorers of all time. Um, and then, of course, you talk about him coming to Winnipeg. That wasn't just huge for Winnipeg. That really changed hockey. He changed hockey in terms of free agency and money and 
And maybe that's a big problem uh, for what it's done for sports, but it was very important for a lot of the other players in the NHL, empowering players. Stan Makita talked about what Bobby Hull did for him, not just as a teammate, but as kind of like making that move. So I think that it's very, very important that you have to take the whole picture when you're talking about Bobby Hull. Fantastic hockey player, legendary hockey player, Hall of Famer, all-timer, but also a checkered past. And it's very important. The lesson here, I think, is when we're fans and you grow up as kids with pictures of guys on your wall, you only have pictures of guys or, or gals on your wall as the athlete. And you got to be careful. I think now that I'm a parent and I think about, like, who are my kids going to look up to? You got to be very careful with who you're looking up to and making sure you know the complete story because Bobby Hull is far from the only hockey player who off the ice or off the court or off the field was a less than stellar human being. And he's imperfect at the, at, at, at the best of times, like the rest of us. So it's just a good reminder that worshiping, idolizing these guys, that's a dangerous, slippery slope to get into. I think it's part of why I've made a decision that at least for a while now, I'm just going to have Winnipeg Jets jerseys that have the logo and no name on the back. I haven't gotten another name on the back. Now, that could also be because my first couple that I got were Pavlik and Kane, and we all know how that worked out. But I think part of it, too, is you got to remember loyalty to the team, loyalty to the front, not necessary to the players, and kind of step back maybe a little bit of the uh, the idolizing or worshiping these guys is more than just what they are. You're cheering for them as a hockey player for your hometown team. You're respecting the talent. You're respecting the work ethic. And there's a lot that can inspire from that. But it's also very important to take the whole picture, which is why I really like that headline. Bobby Hull passes away, hockey star, Hall of Famer, checkered past. And then you can have these conversations. And hopefully we get to a point where we evolve all the athletes and the rest of us. So we keep moving forward. That's what we're trying to do is get better. So uh, that's my take on Bobby Hall for today, but he should definitely be uh, celebrated within the hockey community for what he did in hockey. I, I'm not prepared to throw away all the things he did in hockey, pretend they didn't happen. I want to acknowledge them, but also be um, tell the whole story. Yeah, there's people in chat here saying, you know, without Bobby Hall, we may not even be here today talking about uh, the Winnipeg, Winnipeg Jets. So uh, moving on, I do yeah. have this clip, this Rick bonus that I've been. Do you have it? Did it work? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Feverishly working behind the scenes. So here's Rick Bonus uh, after Saturday. There's a price to pay to win in this league. And you have to work. And you have to compete. And you have to do it every night. And as the season progresses, it gets harder. And right now, it seems to, you're, you're seeing what we're seeing. As soon as there's a little adversity, this group, we haven't handled it. We handled it well early in the year. We're not handling it well right now. Uh, the difference makers, you can't even find them out there. So until we, we make that commitment again to play as a team and we want to win, this is what you get. We're a good hockey team, but you have to work and you have to compete. And as soon as it gets tough, you can't change from that. Right now we're going through a spell where as soon as the adversity kicks in, we're going on our own program which is the problem of the, all of last year. We thought we had corrected it. Now we got to correct it again, and we will. Prince makers are none. Going back to last year, this was a straight fire clip from Rick Bonus, and this is why, that's why I spent all our conversation trying to get it to work so much that we didn't even get to NFL. So 
I mean, I just want to say one quick thing yeah. on the NFL. I know you got a heavy hockey show, and I know just based on some of the conversations I had with people uh, today, this morning, you know, people want to jump on the refs. Um, the Niners Eagles game, that game stank. The injury early on, that was a nothing game. But the Bengals Chiefs game was a great game. And this is the only thing I want to say to people who want to criticize the officiating. Officiating is hard, and yeah, there are mistakes. But if I'm a Cincinnati fan, I'm not freaking out about the officials. I'm being honest. I'm not freaking out about the officials, and I'm not freaking out about that Osai with bad penalty, pushing the guy out of bounds at the end. This is what I think I should be upset about if I'm a Bengals fan. Game's tied at 20, seven minutes left in the fourth quarter. You got the ball, Joe Burrow. Didn't make it happen. Throws in the double coverage. Heck of a play by Kansas City's defense who came to play and I think was the reason they won that game. Turnover, interception. Kansas City doesn't score, though. Then you get the ball back two and a half minutes left. Joe Burrow, this is what you want. They couldn't get it done. So I hope that with all the things going on about the negativity, the officiating, the penalties, all this stuff, first of all, I hope the Bengals learn not to run their mouths. Shouldn't have said all the Burrow head stuff. Certainly their mayor should know better than to get in yes. on that. I know you may think it's kind of friendly, but like, that's just stupid. You're Cincinnati. You never won anything. So like, come on. But Bengals, like Burrow, they, they had the ball twice with an opportunity. I mean, that, that's what you want. And they didn't make it happen. That's why they lost the game. That's at least my take. Anyway, I know you got other guests and you got a great show. Remus, I'm glad you got the clip working. It looks like you can breathe easy now. I hope you sleep. I got news for you as someone with two kids. You'll never sleep again. But dare to dream. Thank you very much for coming on. Sorry we didn't get to more NFL, but it was great, great talk with you. As always, hope to do it again uh, soon. Uh, Thank you very much. And there he is. My pleasure. Thanks. There he is, the sports rabbi, Matt Leibel. We're going to hear more about the St. Louis Blues with Luke Korak of NHL.com coming on next. And uh, before that, we're just going to hear from Hustler. One sec. Folks, the deep freeze, unfortunately, is about to go down here in Winnipeg. Is your car ready for it? More importantly, is your battery ready for it? If uh, you're a little leery about whether you can make it through a series of minus 30 loads, pop down a Manitoba battery, get a quick battery test to let you know how you're looking for the rest of the winter. And if you do need one, you'll be there shopping local, getting the best price in town on a, an incredible selection of batteries. If you know that you need one, Just give them a phone call, though, or hit them up online at manitobabattery.com, and they'll deliver it to you citywide same day if you get your order in by 3 p.m. That's the Manitoba Battery difference. Great service from Donnie and his staff if you're down on Logan Avenue, and they'll save you time and money by delivering it citywide. Manitoba Battery, 1026 Logan Avenue, and online at manitobabattery.com. Don't procrastinate because the cold is here. Um, Our friends at Consolidated Supply are not really thinking about the cold right now. They're more looking ahead to what summer has to offer. And listen, if you're in the golf industry, you certainly know what Consolidated Supply has done as the leaders in irrigation services and artificial turf. And of course, if you've got any need for a customized golf cart, They're the club car dealer in town and service the entire province. But in addition to that, incredible landscape projects are coming together for the summer, including beautiful outdoor kitchens and hot tubs as well. Consolidated Supply has it all. Joe Spicy and the gang are waiting for you. Open to the public. Pop down and see them. 1395 Niaqua Road East. Or check them out online at their newly revamped website at cte.ca. 
Don't forget, folks, you still got a couple days left to nominate an unsung hero for our January award with Wallace and Wallace and Josh Morrissey. Send us an email to unsunghero at winnipegsportstalk.com and let us know about that person in your life or in your community spending a lot of time and a lot of effort to help others, whether it's extended hours doing charity work with one of the local charities in town, working within the school system, those extra hours of coaching, officiating, timekeeping, refereeing, so many people that do extra things to make sure that um, the show goes on. Send us that email, unsunghero at winnipegsportstalk.com. We have an autographed Josh Morrissey jersey for this month's uh, Unsung Hero. Wallace and Wallace will donate $500 in the name of the WST listener that nominated the Unsung Hero to the Dream Factory. And Josh and Margot Morrissey are going to match that as well. And all, of course, in support of the Dream Factory, of which Josh is an ambassador for. And hey, just before we get to noodles, don't forget, if you're still dealing with being a little under the weather, uh, you got to pop by Vita Health Fresh Market. Incredible immunity products, natural and organic supplements, beauty products, groceries, all at great prices, and carrying Winnipeg's largest assortment of local products, too. And battling colds and sore throats has never been easier right now with Colflex Oregano Spray, made locally by Inatech Nutrition. Colflex Oregano Spray helps relieve coughs and sore throats and helps to maintain immune function. Get yours today at any Vita Health location. Vita Health Fresh Market, empowering people to lead healthy lives. Seven Winnipeg locations, including the newest store in Linden Ridge, and online at myvita.ca. And there's us. Well, we're looking forward to tonight's uh, Blues-Jets game. I don't know if it's must-win for the Jets. 76% of people who voted in our poll say that. But uh, to hear more about the Blues, I'll bring in Luke Korak of NHL.com. Uh, Lou, thank you so much for joining the show. How are you doing? Good, Michael. How are you? Yeah, I'm doing okay. We're trying to stay warm here in Winnipeg. <laughs> uh, what is it, like minus 30 today? I know it's chilly uh, down there in St. Louis, but um, this is our first look at the Blues since the teams met in the first month of the year. The Blues came in here on a three-game win streak, and the Jets beat them. as Jets played a complete game, but it was seemed to you know start off a topsy turvy season for the blues that have had uh, win streaks and losing streaks. And they come in here on a four game win streak. How would you uh, summarize the blue season so far since the last time we saw them? Well, they've pretty, they pretty much are what they are. Their, their record indicates, well, they're a game under 500 right now. And, you know, they've kind of been a middling team all year long. And it's, uh, it's really perplexing, uh, really confusing uh, considering this is a 109-point team last year and a team that uh, had high hopes again. Uh, I think a team that a lot of people believed uh, gave the Colorado Avalanche last year their stiffest challenge uh, en route to the Stanley Cup. And uh, now you're in really serious danger of missing the playoffs this year. Not really what they had in mind, but here they are uh, less than what uh, five weeks away from uh, the NHL trade deadline. Um, unless some things start to change pretty quickly uh, with this hockey club, uh, it's going to have a different makeover come Jan uh, March 3rd because uh, they have a number of uh, pending UFAs out there. And Doug Armstrong is, he's been down this road before where he understands a team that uh, looks like it can compete and contend. 
and one that he feels like uh, is do, doesn't have the components to be able to get there this year. I think he's getting an idea right now at this point of what this team is all about. So we could we could see a completely different team here in, in about five weeks. I mean, the Blues in their last week, they've lost to Chicago and Arizona. And if I think if you want to be a playoff team, yeah. you can't lose to both those teams in a week who are who are clearly uh, clearly tanking. I mean, what? It's a, it's a lot of similar players. I mean, what's been the difference between last year and this year for the Blues, which you said gave Colorado quite a quite a scare there in the playoffs? Well, there's been obviously a little bit of turnover, not a ton. You know, I just off the top of my head, you lose David Perron, you lose Ville Husso, who was a, a good solid uh, tandem or gave a good solid tandem with Jordan Bennington. It was a pretty good one-two punch last year. Uh, Tyler Bozak, a good veteran player, uh, no longer with the organization. A um, couple of other names, but uh, th- those are those are the main ones right there. But pretty much, it's the same group that's back. And for whatever reason or not, they just haven't been able to put it together this year. Whether it be turnovers, whether it be just their de- defensive zone coverage, um, particularly around their net goaltending, you may say if you look at it on paper. You're thinking it's not very good, but quite to the contrary, I think without it, uh, they'd be in in worse shape than they're in right now, all things considered, uh, with the amount of uh, slot chances that they allow, grade A scoring chances that they allow that these goalies are able to bail them out with. So number of things going on right now, they're they're going through a pretty significant injury bug. You still have O'Reilly out of the lineup. Uh, Buchnevich uh, won't be back tonight Robert Thomas not playing tonight uh some pretty big names you did get Tarasenko back a, a couple of games ago as you as did Tori Krug Robert Bertuzzo's back in but you know teams don't use that as, as an excuse they never do uh that's why you have depth or you're supposed to have depth and that's why you know you have to kind of plot along through these things because it happens to everybody and right now it's going through the Blues locker room uh not a not an opportune time, all things considered, because I think Doug Armstrong really wanted to see what kind of a push this team could make in January if they can get themselves back involved in the playoff race. Right now, six and seven for the month, not going to get it done. Yeah, the Blues right now just below that Central Division uh, playoff line, 49 points in 50 games. Yeah, 490 points percentage. It's not quite playoff level. If you know Doug Armstrong, I mean, it, I like what he, what he did in the years he realized, hey, we're not going to make the playoffs. And they traded, you know, Shattenkirk and traded uh, Stasny. I mean, what moves are you think the Blues are going to make if he decides, hey, you know what, this isn't our year and they move forward, uh, you know, trading away assets at the deadline? Well, if you look at the big names, obviously, O'Reilly and Tarasenko, if you had to ask me today if one of the two are going to move, uh, I would say it's going to be Tarasenko. Um, I just don't, even if the fences have been mended since, uh, the time that he had asked for a trade after the multiple shoulder surgeries he had to go through, I just don't think that there's going to be any cap space to bring him back next year. Uh, that, that, that's just the, the reality of the situation. And quite frankly, and, and this is my opinion, I, I don't think that his stance has changed. I think he wants, I think he wants to be gone. So uh, I think that one makes the most sense if there's a package on the table that Doug Armstrong finds suitable. Now, 
if he he's not going to just give them away to be giving them away. That, that, that's not going to happen. So um, the chances of both of them being traded, uh, certainly on the table. But apparently O'Reilly has indicated, and I haven't talked to him personally since he uh, suffered the broken foot on New Year's Eve, that he would like to stay in St. Louis. Uh, it's, it's just a matter of making the numbers work. Um, there's always that situation that you had with Doug Wade a number of years ago where the Blues traded him to Carolina, and then you bring him back uh, in the offseason. You can always do that for O'Reilly if, again, if Doug Armstrong gets the kind of return he feels is worthy for them. Uh, I think Ivan Barbashev is very intriguing here just because he's a he's a good two-way hockey player and one that's cost-effective. And I think that's where a lot of this is going to fall into place for teams because, quite frankly, uh, teams are just too strapped up against the cap where it's going to be difficult for them to take on a salary cap room uh, without having uh, – the team that's making the trade take some of that uh, cap hit back in return. So uh, it's, it's, it's going to be interesting. You've got Nico Mikola also a very intriguing proposition there who could be a UFA, Nolachari, Thomas Grice, uh, some names out there that have Nolachari has been a very good hockey player for, for the blues this year. Very, very cost effective at 1.25 million uh, that I think would be very attractive to certain teams. So, not just from a Blues perspective, but from a league-wide perspective, I think uh, some of the lesser-known names are going to be the ones that are going to move a l- little more frequently, a little more easier than, say, some of the top-heavy guys. Yeah, Ivan Barbashev's a name that's come up uh, on this show as someone who the Jets could target, who could play middle six, uh, you know, play responsible uh, game. Also, you know, being he's playing on the second line tonight here with Noel Achari and uh, Tarasenko. Uh, I wanted to ask you about two uh, bright spots. You know, in the offseason, they signed uh, Kairu and Rob Thomas to these monster deals. I mean, what's the early outlook on those two? I know Rob Thomas, you mentioned he's injured. Uh, it was a couple games ago, and he's he's been day-to-day. But Kairu having a nice season, 47 points in 47 games. You have to think the, the future of the Blues uh, looks bright with those two locked up to these, uh, what is it, twin eight-year uh, $65 million contracts. Yeah, it just goes to show you that uh, these are the two players that they've invested uh, as the faces of the franchise moving forward into the future. And there's still some growing pains there. I mean, both very dynamic players, both players that can get the job done offensively, and and they've displayed that already in the early portions of their career. And Doug Armstrong's had a history of doing this. He did this with Tarasenko. He did it with Alex Petrangelo, players that he believed if he could get them – Early in their careers, these could wind up being um, good, solid value moves as they move uh, into uh, the latter stages of their career, into the prime years of their career. Uh, They got good investment on Alex Petrangelo's contract. Same thing here with Vladimir Tarasenko, whose eight-year contract ends this year. Uh, He's hoping to uh, strike it well with both of these players. And uh, both homegrown players, they drafted them – Thomas, a first-round pick, Cairo, a high second-round pick, uh, players that they believe in and players that uh, they're hoping uh, could lead this team not into a rebuild but more into a retool. I see a lot of similarities between the Blues uh, and the Jets here. I don't know. The, the Jets had kind of disappointing year last year, and then the Blues had the playoff run, uh, playoff performance, not playing up to snuff. But it seems like with the pieces, they would be able to do a quick uh, retool and come back stronger next year. We'll have to wait and see what happens. We are going to see Jordan Bennington 
through the pipes. And you mentioned you think he's played much better than his numbers would indicate. What he's got, 891 save percentage, 328 goals against. And we have heard uh, Coach Barube you know, call him out for some of his you know, antics, uh, maybe getting, getting a bit angry uh, in between the pipes. How'd you, how would you characterize uh, his season here as we're going to see him tonight? Has he been top five, top 10 goalie in the league? Uh, probably not. Uh, there have been some inconsistencies, but I think as a whole body of work, I, th- I think he's given them uh, what the team needs. You know, like I had mentioned earlier, this team is allowed just uncharacteristically a lot of high danger scoring opportunities, a lot of uh, slot opportunities, uh, turnovers in their own end. Uh, a goalie can only handle so much. Um and I know you can go to the numbers and and look to see uh, what what are his numbers uh, for saves above expected goals against. Uh, probably not good, but I'm telling you, with with the high volume of chances that he's facing on a nightly basis, uh, at some point it starts to take its toll. Now, yeah, somebody could pick up the stat sheet and say, "Well, this isn't very good," and 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 you're right, it's not very good. You'd like to see a goalie that's paid uh, in the range that he's paid and he's, he's in the top seven in the league. You'd like to see in the nine twenties, maybe in the, in the low twos as a goals against would be sufficient. Uh, They're not there obviously, but uh, without him and even to a certain degree here without Thomas Grice, they're probably not 23, 24 and three, to be honest with you here. Uh, They've, they've won a number of games for this hockey team this year and probably the primarily the top reason they're even still talking about perhaps if they go on a it's going to have to be a sizable run if they're even going to make the playoffs which looks pretty bleak right now yeah we'll have to wait and see well we're looking forward uh, to the game tonight thank you so much lou for taking the time today to hop on and join me talking with the blues ahead of tonight's game uh, at home versus the winnipeg jets all right michael take care yeah, take care there's lou korak nhl.com Give him a follow on Twitter, L4AC10. As we move on, we'll be talking to Jeff Hamilton uh, in a second here. Lots to touch on with him. A couple messages uh, from Hustler, and then we'll bring in Jeff. So I'll be right back. When you're talking about fan gear for literally any league, whether you're a Jets fan, Bomber fan, NFL, Major League Baseball, NBA, Raptors, Jays, they've got it all, the best selection maybe in the country, to be perfectly honest with you, with everything there. And while you're there, check out that great Yeti section as well for those of you that spend some time outside. And make sure to check out their incredible selection of hockey equipment and skates, including perfect casual skates. Affordable, perfect for jumping out on the the river or some of the ice trails or ODRs. Royal Sports, 750 Pemina Highway. Follow them on Instagram at Royal Sports Pemina for the latest merchandise drops and sale information. Guys, if you uh, if the wardrobe needs an uptick, you know where to go. F Apparel down at 190 Smith Street. Andrew Parks and his great staff are ready for you. They'll get you sized up, fitted, and you can get custom suits beginning at just 400 bucks. March more than just suits as well, though. Chinos, golf pants, custom shirts, both to be worn tucked and untucked, and a great selection of men's accessories. And fellas, if you're in a wedding party, don't forget the F Apparel special. Don't waste your time and money on uh, suits that you got or uh, tuxes that you got to return. Custom suits for the entire wedding party starting at 400 bucks, and you'll get a 15% discount 
for everybody when you get your suits at F and another great deal for 2023 grads, a free shirt and custom shirt and tie for any young man in the class of 2023 when you get your suit at F Apparel. F Apparel, 190 Smith Street downtown. And of course, you can check them out or make an appointment online at F, that's E-P-H apparel.com. And uh, as I mentioned, I popped into BP yesterday after uh, the Jet game to see what was happening in that Ducks-Colorado game and was pleasantly surprised that the Ducks had three goals in them in the third period. But um, I'm always it's never surprised, but it's always pleasant popping by BP. Uh, those world-famous Boston wings in a schooner to uh, maybe take the sting off a tough night in the arena is always good. And, man, those pizzas are delicious. Uh, whether you're popping into your local BP this weekend or ordering online at bostonpizza.com, make it BP this weekend. All right, there's Huss. And, yes, people just tuning in. Um, he is driving back from Casey, was at the AFC Championship game celebrating a Chiefs victory but the big story is the jets and the blues is it a must win tonight again 74 percent people were voting of 228 think it is a must win for the jets and rick bonus was not happy following saturday's loss to philly four nothing loss um really uh really unhappy and had some fantastic comments and i think a lot of people enjoyed hearing the honesty and what he had to say and Here's the I played the first part before at the end of Matthew, and here is uh, part two of Rick Bonus on Saturday. Uh, Jets losing to Philly, their third loss in a row. Adams' line was the best line out there by far. We didn't have enough guys going to follow it up because we had some guys that clearly didn't feel want to play tonight. You brought the full blender out in the third, and again, that's just speaks. You're trying to find something, I guess, anything that yep. works at that point. Yep. Did you see it? Uh, we, we saw it from the guys we thought we'd see it from. We're disappointed that we didn't see it from the guys we needed it from. And for one of the first times that I can remember, there were boos, especially during that power play. I'm surprised there wasn't more boos. Man, we need a 60-minute effort. Just it's all we want. So all the fans want to see is a 60-minute effort. The wins and losses will take care of itself if you take care of the effort and you take care of the process. That'll take care of itself. Right now, the process isn't good enough and the effort's not good enough, and that's all our fans want to see. So they're justified to boo us. What? Oh, there's there's hustlers' place. What comments there from Rick Bonus? Uh, surprised there wasn't more booze. Disappointed. After the timeout, that they didn't see more from uh, their difference makers. I mean, just scathing comments uh, towards the Winnipeg Jets, who are now losers of three straight. I'm going to bring in Jeff Hamilton from the Winnipeg Free Press. Jeff, how's it going on a Monday here for you? Primo, not too bad. I, uh, from the sound of your voice, you know, playing double duty. I don't know if you're glum from the from the Jets weekend or whatever. <laughs> I'm used to that fire, you know that. And here we are, the next guest. But you're right, man. I feel like it's, I feel right, like so- we're I feel like we're we're in that kind of pattern right now. It's it's kind of sums up a bit of the Winnipeg Jets situation. It's been a lot of a lot of the same flaw, if you will. You know, a lot of you know, a lot it's no longer one of those things where we're feeling like it's one or two games or a get back on track thing. There's some certainly some concern heading in you know, and being injected into this team, especially with one more game before the All-Star break. But good to hear your voice, man. Glad to see you running the show. And Huss is off doing his thing uh, out in KC. What an exciting game that yeah. would have been. Thank you for calling me out. You know, I sometimes I get stiff uh, back here. You know, I don't <laughs> host often. 
um and i'm doing a lot so you know nice to get well, me no one a, sees a, the sausage get made you know they just see how seamless yeah. husk gets on there no one sees how you know how much work you're doing behind the scenes so let yourself off the hook i was just yeah. i was I, just giving you the gears you're fine i, need, I needed that because now i'm laughing and i'm ready to have have a good time but it seems to seems to me like this is like what what are your initial thoughts here on rick bonus's comments like what were you thinking um when you heard that on saturday you know i was I was a bit not surprised because we've seen we've seen him talk about that, right? I mean, we've seen him, you know, quote unquote, call out, if you will, higher end, you know, to his top end players, asking for more, you know, you know, more from them. And we saw that over the five game road trip that I was on recently, where he was challenging his top end guys to perform. And I think if there was anything that, you know, again, it's not shocking, it's not surprising, but usually after losses he tends to go a bit easier on his guys and you know we're seeing a little bit of a flip to that um a little bit harsher on it you know i i think it's been a little overplayed a little bit about how aggressive he, he was i think i think there are you know certainly some pointed statements in there especially if you compare them you know to, to the way paul maurice used to do things where you know in, in a situation like this i mean he would be couching a lot of his comments with you know i i like you know i like the way we played or you know we're, we're we're getting there we know what the issues is we just need to fix it you know rick bonus is essentially telling you outright exactly what the problems are and saying that you know there there isn't a quick fix to this it's got to be it's got to be the effort and the will from from the guys in the locker room. So those refreshing comments are are still very much uh, consistent with with the way Rick Bonus has been. The one thing I found interesting about his comments in general was, you know, for the longest time, you know, all season really, you know, we've con- we've done you know I've done a lot of comparable stories from you know this year compared to last year, whether it's about the special teams, whether about five on five play, whether it's about overall effort, um, and a lot of it's been you know obviously what wasn't working last year, you know, compared to what's working this year. But Rick Bonus has always been reluctant, uh, much like the players, mind you, um, to talk about last season or talk about last year, right? I mean, a lot of it's met with, I wasn't here last year, you know, I, and even certain things where, you know, exa- you know exactly he, he should, or you, you think he'd have a comment on things, he just doesn't. And then, you know, a bit unprovoked in his postgame comments about how this was the problem, right? And I don't know if it's, handling adver- unable to handle adversity unable to handle success or a combination of the two but you know Rick Bonus outright said I mean this was the team's problem last year where you know the the, the tiniest bit of adversity gets you know they get they get you know they face they crumble and and they start doing their you know start going on their own agendas or their own terms I forget exactly which words Rick Bonus used but you know just kind of reverting back to individual rather than to overall team play and we've certainly seen that over the last, you know, 10 games or so here as the Jets have middling results and, and aren't having the success that we saw earlier in the season. So, you know, his comments, and you know, his comments, again, they, they've been variations of what we've heard in the past, but there seems to be a bit more, and I don't want to call panic in his voice, but a little bit more urgency in his message because you know he's using the media in this case, particularly when he's talking about last season, to to, to address his players and say, if you don't want to talk about last year, then change it. You know, we've been, they've been able to do that. You know, bonus has been able to bring out the best in them for much of this season. And and last year really hasn't been a narrative until you, until there's the stories about comparing how good they are uh, this year compared to last year. But now you're starting to hear, you know, that narrative turn a little bit to being like, is this the old jets that we've seen far too often uh, that we've seen far too, you know, I don't say far too little of, you don't want to see much of, but haven't seen much this year kind of creeping its way back. Yeah. For the first 41 games, this was the 
you know, first place team in the West. They were playing the right way. They're winning, and it just seems. I think I I noticed since the Tampa uh, win on the sixth, um, mm. they've you know kind of gotten away from it. Uh, you know, they had the wins against Vancouver and Arizona, where even they said after like we're not doing the right things. You know, they had the one game against Pittsburgh where they played pretty well, and they also dominated Ottawa, but. Um, they just haven't gotten back. Is this? Can we blame the schedule? But I said twelve and twenty-three here. I noted. I I believe that was what it was. I got to double confirm that. But um, it's been it's been very compressed. Less than than one game every two days over the last. Yeah, month. Like I don't I don't know if you can blame the schedule. You know, I don't think there's a lot of teams that you go out like if you were to if you were to look at you know at the thirty-one other teams across the league it's not like they're going to have a game every three days and the Jets are played every other day. I mean, that's, that's kind of life in the NHL. And, it, and it's funny too, right? Because it depends on who you ask in the league, but a lot of guys don't like practicing. You know, they don't love practicing. They love the, the, the schedule. So it's interesting about how when a team's, when a team's momentum is, is you know, sucked away or, or in the case of the Jets, you, you start streaming together you know, some, some struggling efforts and, and some, you know, missed results here over again, the last 10 games or so. And all of a sudden it's about how many games you're playing, how little you're practicing. It talks about the schedule. Now there's no doubt about it. I think the Jets played 16 games in the month, month, month of, of December and, and had to have a similar schedule like to that of January, but that's kind of the reality of the NHL when you're going to put in all-star breaks and have, you know, 11 day break coming up here. Um, so yeah, I mean, is it is it is it is it an explanation to a certain degree? Yeah, I mean, you of course it, it's going to play uh, a factor in, in the team's results. I mean, look at the end of a five game road trip. That's a long road trip. Five games in eight nights is not an easy task. So you can start looking at a, a game like the Nashville game, a two one loss, a, a game I thought the Jets generated their fair share of offense. Um, two one score was almost laughable given how many offensive chances each side had, but you can kind of make in that conversation, talk about how it was the end of a five game road trip. I don't think you can constantly, and I'm not suggesting the jets are doing this. I think you're seeing a bit more of it right now. Even Rick bonus talking about moving to Winnipeg. I mean, he was with Dallas. He's, you know, he's aware of the central division, but just the difference in where Dallas is and Winnipeg is and where they need to travel, you know, to, to, to play their games you know, he's even noticing that. But again, I mean, you can't really use that as an excuse. Every team goes through it. Every team, you know, will argue about their schedule. No one's bragging about how easy or, you know, laid back a schedule they have. And there's other factors like injuries. That's the funny part in all this, right? I mean, the Jets were having a more consistent game, uh, you know, more consistent positive results under an injured group. Now they've got all their players back, essentially. I mean, they still have a couple guys, um, but, you know, after getting back guys like Nikolai Ehlers back in the mix, right? I mean, these were supposed to be injections into the lineup. Cole Perfetti missed the spell. I mean, these guys all kind of came, Nate Schmidt, these guys all kind of came back at the same time, and we haven't seen, you know, those kind of results. So before it was kind of injuries, and they, and, they, and they got through that. Now it seems to be scheduling, and again, every team – can talk about how bad their schedule and how rough it is. It's those teams that, you know, are able to, you know, dig through that a team like the Jets who were able to get through their injury issues and tough scheduling through December now face that same, you know, a similar situation, but are healthier in January. It just doesn't hold as much water. Um, I guess the good news is for Winnipeg is they got a good chunk of road games out here. They're going to see a lot of time at home. Um, they only have one road trip really in December. So this is, you know, whether this is a month to make hay, I think this is a, a big month for the Winnipeg Jets. 
big game, obviously, tonight. But when they return from their 11-day break, um, it's the playoff push. And February needs to be a big month for this team, regardless of what they did in January or December. So um, I think this, you know, while the scheduling has been difficult, while injuries in the past have been difficult to get through, you know, you have one more game here. And then I think it's pretty, It's I don't want to say smooth sailing, but, uh, you know, a, a pretty easier schedule, if you will, compared to what we've seen in the past few months. Yeah, the Jets in action tonight against St. Louis uh, have a break, you know, player break, all, combined with the All-Star break, a number of teams off. Uh, actually, my fantasy league combined these two weeks. Uh, that, was, that was news to me, Jeff, when I was setting my lineup uh, last night. But yeah, the next <laughs> one after this, February 11, uh, at home to Chicago, 9 p.m. start. So heading into tonight, I mean, are you with the chat? You think this is a must-win here for the Jets? Well, there is no must-win games in January, but I, yeah. I, you know, I, I'm, I'm with the sentiment that you got to get back on track. I mean, for this team, we know how, you know, we know how. How do you, how would I word it? Like, we know how a bit emotionally vulnerable this team is, right? We've seen, you know, we've heard their coach talk about, you know, the slight, you know, the little bit, of, little bit of adversity, and and all of a sudden they go off the rails, do their own thing, as we talked about. I mean, we we've known how. You know that if, if there needs to be a strength in this team, it's their mental adversity. You know, against you know how they how they play mentally against adversity, and and so you you know that this team's going to want to get you know get on a a little bit of a high note, if you will. I, you know, after after dropping three in a row, you don't want to go into a, an eleven day break, losers of four straight, and seeing your stock at the top of the Western Conference drop a few different spots. Right, that's not a good feeling going into it. Now, I think they'll benefit from the break regardless of of what happens Monday, but just to kind of get those good feelings back in to stop, to break up the narrative, even just temporarily that this team's on a bit of a free fall and, 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 and it's going to, and I think a big part of it too, and I'm sure this is, this is what the chat is, is referring to is that St. Louis is not a good team. So, you know, much like, much like we've seen in the past where the jets have been able to beat lesser teams, um, we're going to we're going to have to see them do that again tonight. And, you know, it's kind of been indicative of the of the central division. I was looking at, you know, I was looking who's been the hot team. Right. I mean, you have Dallas in first. They're four, two and four in their last 10. You have Winnipeg in second in the central. They're five, five and zero. You have Minnesota in third. They're five, four and one. You have Colorado who's in fourth. And they've really been really been the only team to, to be making hay in the central at seven, three and zero in their last 10. But then you have Nashville, six, four and zero. St. Louis, four, six and zero in their last 10 Arizona three six and one Chicago is actually one of the better teams at six four and oh in their last 10 so it's just you know it's not unique to the Jets here it's not like the Jets are just struggling um, but when you're a team that has built up the you know built up the you know the goodwill if you will and and and, and heavy expectations from winning as much as you have I mean the Jets can't be fighting for a wild card spot. They need to be fighting for the top of the central and the top of the West. And so losing two games in a row is no good. Losing three games in a row is certainly no good. And, you know, quite obvious here, losing four in a row would be a disaster for a team that has aspirations of being at the top. So I don't think it's a must win game, obviously in the technical term, but it is a must win game. As far as all the other things we talked about it, injecting good feelings, being that team that, you know, that needs to believe in itself that, that that they belong at the top of the standings. You can't be going on 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 notable losing streaks and and four games while it's only one more game than three. It's still a lot more than three three games. And and coming back from that break, the games aren't getting easier. The competition isn't getting easier. So maybe just a victory to stop the bleeding would be a you know a must win in a lot of people's category. Yeah, you look at Dallas. You mentioned four two and four four overtime losses. So at least you're getting that. 
that extra point in Minnesota, 5-4-1. and one. So Teams that you're battling with, kind of similar to you in your last 10, the Jets now at 5-5-0 five, five and oh in their last 10, but are on a three-game losing streak. So uh, I feel like we've seen this story before where you've had a great first half and then you kind of you know slide and back into the playoffs there in the second. That would be in 2019. Um, you know, the Jets, you know, they had to, what, they had to bring in Matt Hendricks at the deadline. We all remember that. Are you getting similar feelings? And is Rick Bonus a guy who can, you know, avoid this? Because it seemed like everything was working in the, in the first half. And uh, here we are now trying to get back to their identity. You know, I, I can see why some might draw comparisons to it. I think we're far too early in, in, in that, you know, that way. I just think... I just think if you look at how much time is left in the season, like there's no, there's plenty of runway, um, you know, for the Jets to not only get back on track, but to to be a consistently winning team heading to the playoffs. And that's, that's gotta be the goal obviously here. Um, I, I don't, you know, I, I think with just, with just the, the way in which they have played, I don't know if you look at 2018, 2019 and necessarily look at a blueprint that you've seen um, I think a lot of that, much like this year, was was leaned on the, the play and success of Connor Hellebuck, um, you know, masking some of those defensive deficiencies. Now, I still think some of those certainly exist this season, but just under Rick Bonus, it looks like there's a bit more structure, a bit more understanding when it comes to uh, executing that structure. So, you you know, and I think you got a coach that's not letting this team off the hook. I think all those things combined are differences uh, compared to to a few years back where, where, yeah, they certainly started to dip. They started to make trades to kind of assess, um, you know, what they needed in the locker room. I think with the change in leadership, that's certainly been a benefit. Um, not just, you know, it's not about Blake Wheeler losing the C. It's more or less about other players, you know, gaining a voice in that locker room, um, even if they're not wearing a letter. So I think all those things combined, I, I think there is, you know, I think there's reason to believe that we're not headed, you know, out of the route of 18, 19 and, and that the Jets have more than enough, you know, more than enough talent and skill and structure and all those things you need to, to, to return to, to the team we saw earlier in the year. But um, that being said, I mean, talk is cheap. I mean, you got to see it. And, and right now we're just, we're just not seeing it. One thing that I'll give um, the coaching staff credit for in training camp, they came in and identified a number of areas they wanted to improve in. And for the first half of the season, they improved in all of them. They said, we're going to get scoring from the defense. We're going to play you know, cleaner in front of our own net defensively. And they talked about what kind of forecheck they're going to do. And they were doing all that, but it just seemed to have gotten away. And I'm not sure what it is, but you hope that they can correct it. They seem to be aware of what the problems are, and hopefully they can change it. One thing that we're not seeing too many changes of are the lines uh, for tenant forward going with uh, the same group? They didn't have line rushes today, so we're going to assume that there's the same pair, you know, same groups to start. Um, even though they did just shuffle them around at the end of the game, so we'll kind of wait and see there. But on defense, there was one change. Logan Stanley uh, comes back from injury, plays a couple games, but he's now healthy scratch for Kyle Capobianco. Um, you know, Dylan DeMello's injured for a couple games here. Has Logan Stanley's and it was, has he been taken over here uh, by Capo Bianco on the depth chart? Or what do you think uh, is going on here with this change? Um, I just think it's an opportunity to get Capo Bianco into the lineup. Um, you know, this is into the lineup before a long break. You know, I think it's, um, if you look at, I don't think this has anything to do with it, but Logan Stanley got injured against the St. Louis Blues uh, the last time he played. I, you know, I, again, I don't think that plays much into it, if anything. But I was actually somewhat surprised that they didn't get Capo Bianco into the lineup uh, over the five-game trip. I mean, look, 
he hasn't played bad when he's been in. He's been he's played he's been more than serviceable. I think that would be, you know, kind of not shade, but I think that's a little underestimation of what he brings to the lineup. Um, I just think he's been a good soldier this whole time. You kept you kept him for a reason. Time to get him into time to give him a look. And I mean, Logan Stanley, you know, now he's had a few games under his belt after, a, you know, back to back ankle injuries. There could be just a, a better idea of just letting him kind of rest that one game and then taking the, the, the 11 day break to continue to get stronger. I think there's lots of reasons to go in, but I, or that go behind that decision. But I think the main one is just to get Capo Bianco into the lineup. Um, again, he hasn't played in a, in a you know a very long time, and um, you know again has been a serviceable guy. And um, yeah, other than that, I mean, I, I don't think it has anything to do with jumping over the the you know the depth chart. Uh, I don't think you know. I think Logan Stanley. I mean, even hearing Rick Bonus's words, I think he struggled a bit last game. I, there's a couple different shifts where you know he found himself on the wrong side of the puck, and it just didn't end up in the back of the Jets' net. But you know, I think maybe it's just an opportunity for him to maybe sit a bit. I think it's going to be a struggle for Logan Stanley to get in and out of the lineup on a nightly basis when, when the you know when the when the def- the defense are are all healthy, much like it's been very tough for Kobo Bianco to to to, to get in. So. Um, you know, for me, it's it's um, yeah, not much of a move other than to to get a guy in there. And I don't want to say that you know, bonus is throwing his arms in the air, but I think he is looking for guys to bring, inject some energy into it, right? Some some given s meter that you know maybe guys are taking for granted as they're in and out of the lineup. But um, you know, I don't think that's Logan Stanley. But you know, Rick Bonus also wanted to see what Ro- Logan Stanley brought. I mean, he there he hasn't played a lot under his new head coach has been, you know, as we, as I mentioned, been injured for, you know, a significant chunk of the, of the, of the season. So um, just give him all those things. I don't think it's much of a surprise to have, you know, insert a guy who's been sitting quite a, quite a long time back in the lineup. Yeah. And one other guy who's been out of the lineup for a while, Mason Appleton continuing to practice with the yellow non-contact. Uh, they said he's going to get in on the first game back against the Blackhawks that 9 PM start. Um, who do you think comes out for Appleton? when he returns depends where they want him right i mean do they you know they'll have to shuffle the bottom six if i mean it's hard to imagine he won't go on that third line i mean is it somewhere that you know could he be a guy i don't think right off the bat you want to insert him into the top six like if you want to spread the lines out a little bit and, and bring him you know into the top six i don't think that would be the right idea after such a long layoff i just think it's you know, he, he'll be trying to find his game, catch his game. So whether whether he starts on the third line or the fourth line, it really will depend. I mean, um, could be a lot of different options. I mean, we've, we've seen bonus. We've, we've seen bonus take guys, guys in and out of the lineup. I mean, um, Mason Appleton, you know, whether it's taking a guy like Carson Kuhlman out, whether it's, you know, I, you know, I, I think if you're going to have a lineup there, I mean, you look at Mason Appleton, whether or not it's, he has to play on his, you know, we've seen, we've seen bonus, not, not, I'm going to say not afraid to play guys on their off wing, but um, you know, obviously with, with, uh, with, with Mason Appleton being a right wing, I mean, there, there are different options for, for him, but I think he's, you know, whether you want to put him back with guys like Sacramento line in and, and um, you know, and, and Adam Lowry, obviously on that line, or if you want to ease him in on the fourth line, I mean, I, it'll be interesting to see, like, I can't even remember the last time Mason Appleton laced up the skates, you know, he's been on the ice now for, you know, with his teammates for a while. So, you know, it's going to take some, I mean, we saw, we saw, you know, Nick Ehlers talk about, it, and this guy's pot and point after point 
talking about how you know he's still getting back up to game speed. Now him and Mason Appleton have, have a bit a bit of a different game, but Mason Appleton is is also you know his game is built on speed. So how quickly is he going to get back up to game speed? It's it's hard to, it's hard to suggest or guess where exactly or who exactly will come out of the lineup for him. But um, you know he's going to be juggling his bottom six, which which in reality, I mean, in weeks' times, could also look very different depending on what they do at the trade deadline. So um, it'll be interesting to see, you know, obviously it'll be interesting to see where Mason Appleton's back in his first game, but also see where he is in the lineup, whether that's playing on that third line with Adam Lowry um, or, if, you know, maybe bumping down to more of a conditioning stint, if you will, on the fourth line. But we'll, we'll have to wait and see. And as we move towards the trade deadline, Jeff, uh, this is our trade deadline watch uh, portion of the show. Um, are we still waiting for what uh, a defenseman, middle six forward? Clearly, the team's needs. I think the Jets will be looking for a defenseman. Uh, you know, trying to get a top four guy. I, I also think they'd be interested in a you know a, a third pairing, more experienced type guy. Um, you know, but also looking to to up their up their uh, their you know a couple different forwards. Definitely a depth forward. But if you can get you know a, a top six or middle six. Uh, forward adding to the mix, I think that would, you know, go a long way for this team. Uh, you know, obviously names like Jonathan Taves have been tossed out. We know how much, you know, how much, um, you know, Rick Bonus has wanted his team to improve in the faceoff dot. You know, a guy like a guy like Jonathan Taves would, would probably do just that for you and be a reliable, you know, depth forward on your team. Um, and, then, and then, yeah, I mean, it, it'll be interesting to see what happens in, you know, with, with a team like St. Louis. Like St. Louis is on that, cusp of making the decision now i would argue that they're definitely in the in the sellers mode i don't think you can look at their record right now and and be like oh this team's gonna you know is gonna change much in a month or can do much in the next few weeks to to make the argument to their ownership or management rather that that they you know that they should be buyers so there's a lot of big names on on that team like a barbashev who, who i know a lot of you know a lot of a lot of fans like his game like his style he's got some sandpaper to him he can score um, not having quite the season he had last year, but certainly a player that you know I think would would fit the gel of of, of this organization, um, and that doesn't even account for guys like Ryan O'Reilly who are you know pending UFAs, you know Tarasenko, all those guys. I mean, um, there's certainly a lot of people on the list. I you know that we all we've seen in the past the Jets don't always get you know or rarely get the kind of the 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 top the top guys on the board, um, but we'll see. I mean, the Jets got money to play with. They certainly have prospects and and draft picks that that they can use um but i guess there's also the argument the jets kind of need to continue to show here that they're deserving i I don't think the jets are going to pull back um you know with their with their goal of believing in this team even through this stretch of games but um they're certainly they're certainly hanging into that deadline as as buyers at this moment and and you have to think that you know this has got to be the biggest trade deadline or biggest moment you could argue in, in Kevin Shevelyoff's tenure here um just given what you know given his roster and and you know contracts that are up in a couple of years and and the window that's that seemed shut that suddenly opened up um here that you got to take full advantage of and and when you got the money and the picks and and all those things to do so um being quiet just doesn't seem like much of an option for this team come the, come the deadline next month yeah, I would agree with you. Just look at the contract expiring in two years, the Pierre-Luc Dubois situation. You've got a team firmly in a playoff spot right now. Uh, plenty, you've been saving up all this salary cap room uh, for something without uh, having anyone LTIR. So, uh, you know, the trade deadline, we've got our eye on it, March 3rd, almost a month away, Jeff. Uh, so I'm, I'm very excited to see 
what happens with the Jets and around the league. Um, moving on from the Jets, we can go to Jets alumni. Um, you know, Bobby Hall passing away today at age 84. Did you have any thoughts when you saw the news today um, that Bobby Hall died at 84? Yeah, you know, I, I guess I've been living under a bit of a rock. Like, I knew his health was, was not great. I'd, I've seen him. He wasn't in Winnipeg too long ago. I want to say like a month ago um, for a game. Um, they didn't really do much fanfare with him, uh, I think for some obvious reasons, maybe some of the off-ice stuff. They kind of, I mean, even when he had his number retired here, he didn't come down here, um, you know, to be part of that celebration. Um, but he didn't like, he didn't look good. Um, so I don't know if I was necessarily surprised at the news. Uh, I was surprised in the sense that I didn't, you know, I didn't know his, you know, again, I might be living under a rock and people might be sending out messages being like, the guy's been dealing with this forever. Well, Bobby Hall just hasn't really been in my, you know, my strain of consciousness, I guess, for a very long time. But, um, certainly, you know, I think it's, it's an interesting thing, uh, you know, when people, when people die and, you know, you reflect on their lives, you know, you don't just reflect on, on who they were on the ice. Often you reflect on who they were off the ice. And, uh, you know, obviously, you know, obviously a lot of differing opinions, um, over, you know, those who watched Bobby Hall firsthand, you know, really put Winnipeg on the map, leave the Chicago Blackhawks, you know, a guy who had, you know, won the scoring race a handful of times, won the Hart Trophy a couple of times, you know, was a real superstar in the NHL. And for him to choose the Winnipeg Jets um, and the WHA really helped put them on the map and did a lot, you know, a lot for fans as, as the hotline obviously captured the hearts of, of the city and, and the league and, and were just, you know, put together some impressive hockey. So there's that element too. And of course, there's the off-ice stuff, right? There's the allegations of domestic violence. There's the anti-Semitism comments, all those things. And, you know, while, you know, I feel like I don't have a connection to him in either, either spot, you know, I'm not quick to, you know, I'm certainly don't agree with, with some of the things he's said and the actions he's done um, off the ice. Um, but at the same time, you know, I, you know, I think it's okay to celebrate what someone meant to you um, as a, as a, as a hockey, you know, someone who likes hockey. I don't think it needs to be one way or the other as we very often shift to, um, you know, again, I, I think there's lots of things to disagree with him about. Um, but also, you know, I don't know if necessarily hours or minutes or hours after his death is, is necessarily that time or, or not. And, you know, what, to be honest with you, I don't, you know, teach their own, teach their opinion. But uh, I think, I think there's uh, certainly re reasons to be on both of those sides uh, as, as we reflect on a, on a guy who had a, you know, successful, successful life on the ice and at times a bit of a, you know, disconnect or troubling, you know, life off it. Yeah, and we're joined by uh, Peter Young after this uh, you know, veteran sports uh, broadcaster here from Winnipeg uh, talking about Bobby Hall and what he meant to the WHA Winnipeg Jets. But moving on from hockey, Jeff, uh, a lot of people asking me to ask you about CFL free agencies in a couple weeks. We did have a big signing today. Former Bomber Drew Desjardins back in the CFL, now the highest paid O-lineman uh, with the Ottawa Red Blacks, but it said the Bombers uh, had some conversations with him. Uh, your reaction to him signing with Ottawa, big big one for them. Yeah, no, I mean, first off, congratulations to the Ottawa Red Blacks and to Drew Desjardins, who signed, as you said, a very lucrative uh, contract. You know, the highest paid offensive lineman or guard, uh, or offensive lineman, I think, in the entire CFL, coming in about 250, 260. Um, you know, so I mean, obvious. You know, of course. I mean, I read, I read um, Tim Baines's article in the on the Ottawa Sun about it, and 
you know, he had mentioned about how, you know, when he first came to the CFL, you know, you kind of, you'd kind of do your Canadian tour, right. You go to all the cities and um, you know, you get a chance to see the facilities of the other team. You get a chance to, you know, if you're lucky, you get a chance to see some of the city atmosphere of the games, all that stuff. And so I read that Drew, you know, Ottawa made an impression on him. And that's not surprising at all. Ottawa, despite having, you know, some tough go here the last couple of years, and particularly on on home turf, is a great city. It's a great uh, it's a great fan base. It's a great venue. It, you know, they care about their football. Um, it's a great city just in general outside of the sporting world. And so, you know, I think he, that, that definitely weighed into his decision. And it, it was interesting. Someone report or Tim reported, he didn't mention who, but he reported that some people gave higher or there was at least one team that was willing to go higher in money. Now, I, I have to think, I don't know this for sure, but I have to think that was Saskatchewan. Um, just because of their issues on O-line. Um, I think for sure it wasn't the Bombers because I don't see why Drew Desjardins wouldn't come back to the Bombers um, on that high of a price tag. Uh, I just don't think the Bombers, not that they don't covet a guy like Drew. I mean, they were they marveled at his at his ability to, to progress so quickly, to become a starter in his first year and to become an all-star uh, in his second season. Um, even after that great that second great cup, guys were talking about how you know great of a player he is and how how they weren't surprised that he was getting NFL interest and all that stuff. Um, but at the same time, Winnipeg can't afford to pay a, a you know a right guard um, or even a, you know a left right guard for that kind of money. Not when not when they're not when they've given managed to retain a lot of a lot of the you know marquee players that they have um, at, at in some cases rage raises now marginal raises but i just you know I, I i the bombers were obviously in that conversation because i think just given the fact that drew desjardins won two great cups and is only two years in the cfl you're probably going to want to call that team back uh to see where their interest is at and i have no doubt in my mind that the, that the bombers made you know probably a good push for him but at the same time weren't going to be the team that were able we're going to able to shell out that kind of money and when you look at Ottawa's roster and you know what look at their last couple seasons adding a guy like him to your offensive line to give a guy like Jeremiah Masoli more time um, because he was under siege a lot last year even with the improvements um, on their O-line you know to to get a guy like that in place arguably one of the best guards in the in the league I mean that's a that's a massive get but paint you know it's up to the GMs to, they only have a certain amount of pennies to spend every year. Um, and so your priorities go in different places. And we know that the Jets are Jets, sorry, the Bombers priority for years and the backbone of their success has been, has been the offensive line, but the beauty of their success and their continuity has been the ability to convince players to come here for, you know, maybe a little bit less than market value and Drew Desjardins signing for that kind of money. It's just, you know, I imagine it's just not in the Bombers plans and not in a place, you know, where you start looking, you know, across the O-line guys getting paid significantly less. We all know word gets out about those contracts, you know, very quickly. So I, I just don't know if that would be a price point that Winnipeg would be all that interested in. But again, uh, congratulations to Drew for finding a home. And I'm sure, you know, he's going to do a lot of damage for Ottawa. And as they try to, to rebuild and get back into the playoff picture after a couple of dismal seasons over in the nation's capital. Yeah, we had, I don't know if it was after you were on, but Jackson Jeff coat signing was announced last week. Are we waiting on any more names? Are we going to hear an announcement for um, Nick Dembski? Coming up soon, I see people in uh, in Alex in chat was asking wanted me to ask you about what about Dembski watch. Yeah, you know what I I wrote this before and it's it's nothing like you look Nick bleeds blue bomber football like Nick Dembski is you know he's a committed teammate you know he cares we've seen him evolve 
over the years, right? I think he really came out this past season, um, you know, really showed what he could do. He's still not a thousand yard receiver. You know, there's still, you know, there's still things about him that I think there's heights that he wants to reach, but he's got a ton of respect here and he's been getting paid. Um, but I wrote earlier that if there was anybody I felt would test the market and to each each their own and this isn't a criticism this isn't like i felt nick dembski was you know and i hate i'm not i hate even using this word in the sentence because it's not it's not at all what i mean was somehow selfish for wanting to see what else see what else is out there i don't you know i don't think that's not what i'm trying to sell here i just i just had a vibe that you know of a, of a guy who maybe knows his value and wants his value to be reached i could see a nick dembski you know being interested to test the waters right and, and in this case you know, I think what's going to be, you know, for Nick, especially if you've gotten this far down the line, right? We're talking about free agents here, here in two weeks, and we're talking about that open window, that tampering window in about a week or so, right? So, um, so I think if you've waited this long, if the Bombers have already spent what they've spent, you're kind of doing yourself a bit of a disservice to not see what other teams want. Now, the Bombers could easily up the ante, go after him, you know, really put a full court press on this next week and give him what he thinks his value is. Because if we've seen, you know, Nick Dembski is an incredible piece of this offense. He can score touchdowns. He contributes to the, contributes to the, the, the run game. He's obviously a big part of the air attack. He's a guy who he's a Winnipeg native. He, you know, he wears, you know, his heart on his sleeve when it comes to his city and his province. I mean, he there, you know, there was definitely a feeling of unfinished business at the end of after losing that great cup to Toronto. I mean, there's a lot of reasons for why Nick Dembski come back, but I also think as a guy who's getting up there in his career, you know, I mean, he's not getting any younger, um, you know, for a guy who maybe wants to see what else is out there, just to just to tickle at the idea of what his value is for someone who's been so committed to Winnipeg you know, to each their own. And in this case, I mean, I could be dead wrong. We could be announced, the Bombers could be announcing, a, you know, Nick Dembski signing on Monday or today or this afternoon. I, I don't think the, you know, I don't know where the talks are are as of just yet. I got a column coming out tomorrow. I'm going to do a little bit more digging on those things over the next 24 hours. Um, but I, I just think if you look at it being this long, if Nick Dembski really, really, really wanted to sign a contract in Winnipeg, you know, at, at a fair price or a price and the, you know, the bombers certainly want him. You'd think it would already get done by now. So, you know, getting this close, I wouldn't be surprised. I guess it's not really an answer that's going to be, you know, digestible for a lot of fans, but I really wouldn't be surprised to see him hit the open market and uh, the false open market, if you will, in that week, just to talk to other teams, then come back and say, okay, I'll take, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll take the bombers offer. Cause I really do think, the Bombers have a price point where they feel he's at, and I think it's probably a respectable price point. And then I think it's going to be up to Nick Dembski going to be like, do I want to take an extra 15 or 20 grand maybe and go to a team, you know, whoever that team could be, and what would what do they offer? What's their, you know, what can I get for this money? How far will this go? Is this a team that's going to go far in the playoffs? You know, so he's going to, I think that window there, that tampering window allows players to kind of tickle that free agent interest and then and then decide when all of it's on the table. I could totally see a Nick Dembski press conference where he went and he, he gauged interest, but in the end, Winnipeg was always the team, and this is the place he wanted to be. You just don't have those answers until you get them, and I think that's really what Nick Dembski is chasing at this point. Yeah, I'm not going to fault any player for trying to make uh, as much money as they can during their short career 
We're winding it down here, Jeff. Uh, we do have to touch on the CFL quarterback carousel, Bo Levi signing with the Ticats. We're about to see Dane Evans with Saskatchewan. What are what are they doing over there at quarterback? I don't know, man. I think this whole Bo Le- Levi Mitchell stuff has been has been interesting to say the least. I mean, this guy went from a you know a backup to kind of you know kind of a you know maybe his career was over to maybe being in the TSN broadcast booth and that was his future to being this prized free agent who apparently hasn't gone through injuries and inconsistency over the last few years and that's nothing against Bo Levi Mitchell like I'm not trying to kick a guy when he's down but the narrative prior to signing a three-year deal in Hamilton was he was done And so what, you know, I don't know what you're going to get with Bo Levi Mitchell over three years in Hamilton. As a fan of the Canadian Football League, I hope he, I hope he comes back with a vengeance and is incredible. But the likelihood of that happening, I just don't know if that's possible. And, and I know you asked me about Dane Evans in Saskatchewan, but it's just a testament to the quarterback talent in this league. I just feel like it's taken a massive hit there's you know we're we're much like they recycle coaches and gms in this league we've gone to a point where i think it's a bit tiring to recycle all these all these quarterbacks i mean trevor harris now you know a big storyline about is trevor harris gonna go back to montreal like it wasn't long time ago that trevor harris was kind of begging for a job in a you know in some ways and so now we're talking about him being is this the fit for him i mean i just so you know Cody Fajardo, he's to me a backup quarterback. You know, he's a he's a byproduct of turning one good season in 2019 into a million dollar contract over the next few years. I think he's got to be happy with that. How he handled all of last season, I can't think of a single team that would be interested in having him as a backup, let alone as a starter. And I know that's pretty harsh towards Cody Fajardo, but when you're talking about leaving a team with weeks remaining and, and wanting someone to want you, you've obviously bought into your, your own hype. And I think that's created by the machine out in Ryderville that's put him on a pedestal from the moment he got there. Um, I just, he, you know, he's fallen off that and he needs to figure it out. I, I don't know what's going to happen in Saskatchewan. I don't know why anyone, you know, and, I, and this is nothing against Dane Evans. I actually like Dane Evans a lot. Before he went through a lot of his struggles, was a very, very high-quality quarterback. I thought he showed glimpses of that last season particularly against the bombers when he fed them their lunch late in the year in hamilton you know it kind of was their their crawl back to the to the playoff picture which they managed to do eliminating saskatchewan from the playoffs it just seems like why would anyone in their right mind uh want to go to saskatchewan under a lame duck gm under a lame duck head coach under a lame duck oc and uh you know we're you know where was once a proud organization to go to it's a it's one where you're kind of you don't like, especially especially in the West. I mean, where is Saskatchewan? Where is Saskatchewan fit in the West next year if you have Winnipeg, BC, and Calgary all seemingly getting better, and an Edmonton team that you know I, I get Chris Jones may not be the same magician as he was in the past, but you can't think that they're going to get much worse after last season. So it's just. I just think this whole quarterback situation, it's, it's certainly interesting, but it's a bit of a, a bit of an S show um, just based on, you know, who, who are the high end guys and where they're going to end up. It's going to be a fascinating rollout here. And I just think you're going to see, you know, the cream of the crop rise and in, in the Calaris's and the, you know, um, I, I think Masoli has a potential to come back and bounce back, but he's coming back after another serious knee injury. We'll see what kind of mobility he has. That's the bread and butter of his game. He's got a good arm, but it's happy feet and quick feet that make him such a dangerous weapon. So um, that's just a roundabout way, Remo, of saying the quarterback situation, the CFL is a little bit of a tire fire, and hopefully it cleans itself up here over the offseason. And, you know, we're talking about how 
guys are having bounce back years rather than continuing to to uh, you know fall in their play as we've seen from several veteran QBs in this league. Yeah, free agency opens February 14 at 11 a.m., so we'll uh, keep following the off-season hot stove there. Thank you so much, Jeff, for coming on, talking Jets, CFL, and we'll look forward to you and Hustler stepping back in the cage next Monday or whenever, whenever it is next week. I welcome it anytime, uh, Remo, and uh, you know, good on you for handling, the, uh, handling everything back at the shop, doing double duty while your partner in crime uh, continues to live his kick-ass life. So yeah. you, uh, you guys have a great one. Uh, comment section have a great one and uh, we'll see if the Jets can't get back on track tonight against uh, St. Louis hopefully thank you so much uh, thank you so much Jeff all right uh, great chat there with Jeff Hamilton coming up next uh, veteran sports broadcaster Peter Young uh, formerly with uh, CKY covered WHA Bobby Hall will be talking about his legacy in Winnipeg and before that we'll bring on uh, Hustler with a couple comments. Here's Hustler. A big shout out to our friends at Princess Auto for their great support, not only of Winnipeg Sports Talk, but the Bombers, the Gold Eyes, as well as some of our top Manitoban curling teams, as well as Jen, including Jen Jones, who I'm just looking at uh, Bridget and Phyllis giving us updates in the chat and a bit of a nail biter right now at the Scotties, right now tied at six. Of course, Princess Auto also the place where you'll find the best deals on the most unique assortment of tools and equipment around everything you need to complete the projects on your list or start something new is at Prince as auto check them out at one of two Winnipeg locations, Panit road or Portage Avenue West. And you can always shop online 24, seven, over at princessauto.com. Um, our friends at Culligan water have been the go-to service for all things water for over 65 years here in Winnipeg as a family-owned business with everything that you need for your family business when it comes to water. Softeners, filters, bottled water coolers, whole home systems, drinking water systems, not to mention citywide water delivery services and commercial and industrial water products and solutions. Pop by and see them at 1200 Sergeant Avenue. Give them a call at 204-694-5180. And you can find out everything that they've got going on at drinkculligan.com as well online. And hey, the weekend is here. If you uh, plan to tilt one or two and you're maybe making a cocktail, if you're a whiskey drinker, you know the best is uh, Canada's favorite Canadian whiskey, Canadian Club. Right now, still a couple days left in January. Great discount on CC 12-year reserve right now at your local Manitoba Liquor Marts. And keep your eye out for the new Rifle Rye also from the Beam Suntory family, on for a great introductory sale price at your local Manitoba Liquor Marts, Canadian Club, the official spirit of your Winnipeg Blue Bombers, and we'll look forward to getting those CC and Gingers going again in the summer at IG Field this summer. All right, there's Hustler on his way back from Kansas City. I think he's here tomorrow. If he's fully recovered, we'll have to wait and see, but I'm really excited to bring on... Um, Peter Young, former broadcaster on CKY, covered the Jets, Bombers. He's what, involved with the WHA 50th anniversary reunion. Uh, Peter, thank you so much for coming on. We're going to talk about um, you know, Bobby Hall, passed away today at age 84. And I want to ask you, um, what do you remember about him You know, signing with when he signed with the Winnipeg Jets at Portage in Maine for that $1 million check? And how did it change? Uh, Winnipeg and the WHA. Well, 
to be honest, uh, I don't remember a whole lot about him signing because I was still a, a, a high school teacher and sports broadcaster in Thunder Bay when that happened. I didn't come till 74, the year that Anders and Ulf came. Okay. But, uh, you know, obviously uh, I've, done a, I've done a lot of documentary work and, and thankfully have come up with tons of great archival footage of that, of that day at Portage in Maine. And just this morning I was talking to Howard Baldwin, um, who, of course, owned the Hartford Whalers. And uh, it wasn't until I was putting this documentary together that I realized that, that if it wasn't for Howard, Bobby probably would have never come to Winnipeg. Because, you know, the Jets made, not the Jets, Benny Haskin made this outlandish offer of a million dollars bonus for Bobby to sign, which, you know, Bobby at that point tells me that uh, he was just trying to get Winnipeg to go away and, and come up with some offer that he knew would be uh, too small to consider. And all of a sudden they come up with a million dollar offer, which, you know, in today's dollars would be like offering, you know, Connor Bedard like $50 million to sign somewhere or something. So anyway... Uh, I always thought Benny Haskin was the one that that came up with the million dollars and in talking with Howard for this documentary and then talking with him this morning about Bobby passing, I find out that it was Howard that, along with Benny, put together a group of owners that kicked in to uh, come up with the million dollars. Except, as Howard put it, when it came time to write the checks, um, it ended up being just Howard and Benny that that ended up writing the checks to get Bobby into the into the league. So, uh, you know, I, I obviously everybody was excited here in Winnipeg. There are people that tell me, uh, and I've been led to believe that if it was not for for that signing, uh, the WHA probably had a very short existence. So he probably uh, gave it legitimacy and and probably guaranteed the at least short term success of the WHA. And for sure, because of the lawsuit. Uh, he ended up uh, not only winning the lawsuit, but causing uh, NHL owners to have to double and triple salaries in order to keep players from from jumping to the WHA. So not only did he have an impact on Winnipeg, which many believe is the only reason we still have pro hockey here, but he also um, legitimized the league and made it such that that a lot of players made a whole lot more money than they had been making. So he, in a way, changed the face of hockey, I guess. It's hard to think of something like because there's only one, you know, pro league for each sport. There's one major basketball, one hockey right now. Um, you know, you can't really put it into today's terms. The only thing I can think of is, you know, the, what Live Golf is trying to take away um, from the PGA Tour. But, I mean, what was, you mentioned the lawsuit. What was the fallout in the NHL um, when he left and took uh, the, the payment and signed with the Winnipeg Jets? Well, I mean, the big thing was, and probably they wished that they didn't do this, but uh, Mr. Campbell decided that they were going to sue Bobby and file an antitrust lawsuit uh, against him uh, for for jumping, and that was that delayed Bobby from being able to play. He stood behind the bench and acted as a coach for the first part of that first season because he was not allowed to play. And then, of course, they blackballed him from the '72 Canada Cup team because of this, but. It went to court, and a, and the judge in Washington D.C. in federal court ruled in favor of Bobby Hall and the WHA. In fact, his exact words, uh, which is in a documentary I just produced for for this reunion, where, where the, the judge actually said, "Nobody owns nobody." And as soon as he said those words, it cleared it for everybody who wished to jump, and sixty players did 
jump from the W jump from the NHL to the WHA thanks to Bobby winning that lawsuit. So in a way that lawsuit changed hockey forever because no longer was a player uh, locked in to a team the way they were in those days. They were they were drafted as juniors. If you played for the junior Canadians, you were Montreal's property, et cetera, et cetera. If you played for the Marlies, you were the Leafs property. And you really had no bargaining power when your contract was over. You took what they offered. And, uh, you know, as Gordie Howe once told me, he took $6,000 as his last contract. Can you imagine one of the greatest players that ever faced them up was paid $6,000 to play? And, you know, Bobby changed that. And all of a sudden, players that were making $10,000, $12,000 ended up making thirty and 40000 And, you know, translate that into today's dollars, and it equals some of the salaries that we see today, I guess. Wow, what a... What a lasting impact there and you, know, you always remember him with the hotline with uh, Hedberg and Nielsen um you know how did that line change perception in hockey you know what, what the way um Europeans uh could play in the North America well I guess you know the greatest compliment would be Glenn Sather saying that Glenn Sather saying that uh, the hotline changed hockey forever and and that that when he inherited the Oilers and, and finally got the, the young stars after the first couple of years of the, of the NHL when the, when the four teams went in. He patterned the Edmonton Oilers after the hotline uh, of, you know, when she, with Schubert as the quarterback, all of a sudden Paul Coffey's the quarterback. And, you know, the, the zigzagging and the crisscrossing the way the Europeans still play um, influenced the way hockey evolved, I guess, it, you know, after after 79 80 when when the four teams went in I, I don't know if you get a greater compliment than than slats saying that about uh, the hotline and, and about what the winnipeg jets did and, and how they changed the game and how he patterned the oilers after the way the winnipeg jets uh, you know played with the hotline you mentioned the 50th anniversary documentary can you tell us uh more about the documentary that you've been yeah, on. sure. You can you can watch it on YouTube anytime you want. In fact, I'll send you the link as soon as we get off the air. But uh, I put together like a 25 minute documentary for the reunion, and uh, it 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 goes into great depth with Bobby uh, about about him jumping and why and and all the uh, the obstacles that were put in his way. It also includes interviews with Gordy Howe, Mark and Marty, some hilarious stories from. From Mark and Marty about their dad and, and and how he was their protector on the ice, and and then a tribute to uh, a tribute to some of the the you know most famous players that played in the league. And first of all, all the highlights of every Avco Cup championship, and then uh, a look at Andre Lacroix, the leading scorer, Alton White, the first uh, black player to play in the WHA, uh, Dennis Murphy, the founder. I'm one of the founders of the WHA, so uh, it, it's about 25 minutes long, which is a little bit long, but uh, I'll send you the link and hope you enjoy it. You can use it anytime you want on the air. ...of this uh, video, um, and yeah, thank you so much for taking the time to join, and do you have any, any other lasting memories of Bobby Hall and yeah, his impact yeah, this, on, this, on this what one they right want here. to share? This one right here. Okay, why why that number? Why that jersey? Sixteen jersey with uh, Hall green jersey. What is that? W Whalers, W H A. 
You're, you're too young to know. I'm, that's I'm not too the young. W- I'm too, I'm too that's young not here, the, yeah. That's not the WHA jersey. After the great Tommy McVie fiasco, the first, the, 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 the last year the Jets were in the WHA where Tommy wouldn't let Bobby play because he showed up at the rink thinking it was a 7 o'clock game on Hockey Night in Canada and it was actually a, a 6 o'clock game. So he, he, he wouldn't let Bobby play and uh, Fergie went crazy and came down and tried to reason with him and Tommy said, rules are rules. And meanwhile, at this point, Bobby was one of the owners of the team, uh, but Bobby couldn't play. So that Bobby said, I'll never play again for Tommy McVie. And, uh, and he went to Hartford and finished his career with Gordie Howe. And Gordie had number nine. So Bobby had to go back to his junior number, which was number 16, which is why I have his last jersey uh, when he finished his NHL career with Hartford and you talk about how, how grudges can be held um, at the reunion. Tommy McVie was the guest speaker. <laughs> and I would like to say Bobby walked out, but he was in a wheelchair. So as soon as Tommy got up, Bobby asked Anders to wheel him out. And that was it. Bobby left the banquet and, and never, never did hear Tommy's speech. So that shows you how long you can hold a grudge. And here's it here. I'll throw out the picture that you sent me of the reunion there. Uh, there's there's the Bobby ep- right in the middle. Bobby right in the middle and behind him and myself and Greg Bowden, the two guys that helped put it on and, and all the players that showed up, man, it was just, it was spectacular. And, and uh, I'll tell you the stories. Thank goodness we recorded Jeff Kerbison, who, you know, uh, former yep. free press uh, uh, writer, uh, author of the hotline, uh, famous author in town. He, uh, he and I did interviews with every single player that was there. And so we stretched it out and got 20, 30 minutes on tape of every guy. So stories that uh, hard to, hard to uh, reconcile with. There's Gordy and, and Bobby back, back in the, the first year signing autographs. And I've got a great autograph story for you about Bobby. Bobby, um, if you knew him or, or ever at a signing with him, Bobby took three minutes to do an autograph. Every single autograph was exactly the same. There was never a scrawl. Every time he he did an autograph, it was the exact same slow. You can see it on the shirt behind me. Uh, he took his time, Bobby Hull, every time exactly the same. Hall of Fame, 1983. Of course, he didn't put that till after 83. So we're playing and we're having a Jets training camp in Sweden, Finland and Czechoslovakia. And we're playing at a rink in Stockholm, practicing after a day after a game before we went to Gothenburg. And uh, we end up we end up uh, coming out of the rink after practice. It's, it's a school day. And yet there's about 500 kids surrounding the team bus. And they're all there to get Bobby Hull's autograph. And so Bobby starts giving these kids autographs and we all get on the team bus. And after about 20 minutes, we're all like, I'm not me because I was just a broadcaster. I'm not going to do this. But some of the players are saying, Bobby, come on, let's go. And Bobby's still out there signing. And finally, after 30 minutes, the late, great Teddy Green stands up and yells, let's go. And I thought he was talking to the bus driver. Oh, no, he was talking to the players. And we all got off the bus and we all walked a mile to the hotel. And an hour and a half later, the bus pulled up with just Bobby because he wasn't leaving till every single kid got an autograph. And that's the way he was. You know, there's been lots, lots of negative things said about him today. But one thing is he always looked after fans. He always looked after the kids. Very few people realize 
how much his charity has done, the Bobby Hall Foundation for Children. And so, uh, you know, I, I can understand why, why some people uh, post negative things about him, and that's just society today. Uh, but uh, I think the good outweighed the bad as far as Bobby was concerned. Sent me some great pictures here. You know, here's another one with uh, Gordy Howe and the banner raising. Um, that was that was 1989, the night the, the day after his banner was raised in. Gordy flew in. Abby McDonald was here, of course. They came on the set on CKY, and uh, those two guys were great friends and great pranksters. They they pulled more pranks on more people. Uh, my one of my first games, I broadcast in the WHA in the old arena. Uh, the, the the press ball, the, the the benches were on the opposite sides of the rink, believe it or not. And so we did our our cameras were on the Houston side of the rink, and we're doing our stand up opening to the broadcast. And it you know the players are skating around, getting ready to start, and I'm in the middle of of introducing the show, and all of a sudden Gordy skates by, and he had a whole blade of snow on his on the blade of his stick, and he just dumped it on my head right live on air. So. You know, that's that's the kind that's the kind of things these guys did and and, and the very first time that uh, my dad came to town to, to Winnipeg first year that I was here um, my dad we grew up in Thunder Bay and my dad was a huge Detroit Red Wing fan because Alex Del Vecchio came from Thunder Bay and so Gordy Howe was God to him as was Bobby and so I said to my dad do you want to come to the pregame skate uh, you might get a chance to see Bobby Hull or, or maybe even Gordy Howe when they're on the ice and so pre- previous to this, Bobby and I had set this whole thing up. And so now I come walking down the tunnel at the old arena and uh, it's after the Jets have skated. And so these Zamboni's going around, but Bobby's still on the ice. He's way at the other side where Gordy's standing. And uh, they look over and on cue, they both just take off like a shot across the red line, kick up snow, two foot, two foot stop, snow all over my dad, drop their gloves, put out their hands, shake their hands, say, Harry, Harry Young, we wondered when you were going to come and see this type of thing. So they did that. They did that kind of stuff all the time. You know, just two of the greats, two of the greats. Some great, great pictures that you shared with me. Uh, thank you so much for coming on and, um, and sharing your memories, um, Peter. We appreciate it. And I know people are enjoying your, uh, what is that, a hoodie for WHA 50th anniversary that you're wearing? And uh, and not only do we have this still available on our website, but uh, but uh, eventually Huss is going to come back to town, I imagine. And and uh, you know we'll we'll send you the link to that video. And if he ever shows up on the set again, you're welcome to use as much of it as you like. <laughs> Perfect. Well, I'm enjoying hearing about uh, Winnipeg's pro hockey history. Thank you so much for taking the time and shout out, to, me on. Uh, shout out to Joe Pascucci uh, for connecting me with you today appreciate i know joe's listening so thank you very much thank you for the time i appreciate it there he is peter young a veteran sports broadcaster winnipeg with cky and sharing some stories and some pictures there about number nine bobby hall we're gonna wind this show down i'll play some rick bonus clips about tonight's game and we'll go over the cool bell lines but here's hustler one final message. If you're looking to add beer to the menu, make it Winnipeg's finest local beer, Little Brown Jug. You can pop by Little Brown Jug on William Avenue and check out all your favorites, including the new Good Times Variety Pack with three with four new beers. Or you can find Little Brown Jug around the city wherever they sell good beer. And don't forget, you can go online, littlebrownjug.ca, and order online for citywide delivery. 
And a big shout out to our friends, Nick and Nikki and the Nick and Nikki DQ group for their support of Winnipeg Sports Talk. Talking Niverville Nighthawks yesterday in the Manitoba Junior Hockey League. Of course, before and after anything in Niverville, you can pop by the Nick and Nikki DQ right there. And then three others in Winnipeg, DQ Northgate, DQ Polo Park, DQ St. Anne's. Try the two cheese bacon double stack burger, my personal favorite. All those great blizzard treats. And you can also hit them up on Instagram at DQ Manitoba. If you want to get a custom order for an ice cream or blizzard cake for an event coming up. Thanks again to Nick and Nikki for their great support of WST. There he is. And yeah, big shout out again to Peter. I'm I'm seeing people in the chat. Derek says Winnipeg sports historians, those stories are awesome. And Brass Balls Blake says nothing. Says 80s Jets highlights like Peter Young and Joe Piscucci. Uh, Phyllis saying that uh, that was great as well. So I appreciate all the positive comments. And if you are enjoying the show, don't forget, hit the thumbs up. Subscribe to our channel as well. Closing in on what we're trying to get to 9K. We're, we're close. Closing in. So anything that you can do to help us grow, thumbs up, subscribing, notifications. Tells YouTube, hey, we got some good content. And maybe it'll recommend it to more, more people. Uh, Al says, hey, Mike, today I wish you were 35 years older. Thank you, Al. I do agree. Um, I got to be honest, doing that segment, I was nervous. I was a bit before my time. Um, so I'm not, not too young anymore, but um, not, not old enough uh, to remember the WHA days. But, uh, oh, well. Um, I do, I, I do want to play some of these Rick Bonus clips. Uh, heading into tonight, we played the ones from Saturday. He is was very fired up after that loss and talked tonight ahead of the game against the Blues about wanting to see some urgency uh, from the team. Here's Rick Bonus. Well, I'm just more worried about our team. Right? We need to see it. Uh, we're not happy. And that's one good thing about all this. Our, our, there's not one player in there that doesn't know that we haven't played well, isn't happy with what we've been doing the last three games. So um, urgency on our part is to be expected. And uh, I, I'm very confident we're going to see it. Hopefully, uh, hopefully we'll see it. We did not see it last game. And uh, this is the last game before the break. 11 days off. Uh, next game, what, Saturday, February 11. So they got a break. They got their tickets booked. Uh, whoever knows them. Hopefully summer warm. It is minus 30 here today. But Mike McIntyre asked Rick Bonus, is there a last day of school feeling uh, here and before tonight's game? Yeah, uh, we talked about that this morning. So tomorrow is tomorrow. That starts tomorrow. We've got to take care of business here. Again, we're we're not happy with our last three games. We're not happy with you know. If you take a look at the last seven or eight games, there's so, there's only been a few good games, and our guys are well aware of that. We know we're a very good team, and 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 we believe in this group. Uh, it's it's slipped, and now we just have to get it back. So the urgency that we that is needed to get it back comes from the energy that we saw this morning. So uh, we have to make sure we have that energy tonight. It's slipped. He has to get, they have to get it back. Hopefully they can tonight uh, against the St. Louis Blues. Um, I have a couple other local sports notes before I get into the cool belt lines. Uh, big shout out to Danson Gabe. Celebrate his 60th birthday at the Moose game. They had a cake on a ceremony. They even had a video of Hustler wishing him happy birthday on the Jumbotron. Uh, that's a milestone for me. First thing I ever recorded that was shown at a Jumbotron at a sporting 
uh, arena. So that was that was pretty cool. Uh, you know, to see that type of celebration, the outpouring of support for Dancing Gabe. I started thinking. I remember being a kid, uh, going to games, uh, and seeing Dancing Gabe, and I saw Dave Manuk on Twitter from Illegal Curve tweet out that Dancing Gabe wears ninety one because that's when he started. And I I do recall, um, again recall him seeing Petro Winnipeg legend. So very cool. Um, other notes. Uh, Goldeyes broadcaster Steve Schuster announced on Twitter that he's accepted a job as a data analyst with the New York Mets minor league affiliate, the AA Binghamton Rumble Ponies. What a name, the Rumble Ponies. Um, and he's going to be allowed him to be closer to his family. Uh, shout out to Steve Schuster, took over for Paul Edmonds, was named broadcaster of the year in the American Association by his peers. He will definitely be missed. That's two big losses off the field. For the Gold Eyes and Rick Forney and Steve Schuster. Um, so all the best to him. Uh, team Jennifer Jones, who Hustler had on uh, this summer with her new team and Mackenzie Zacharias, they punched their tickets to the Scotties winning the provincial championship on the weekend. Uh, the other Manitoba teams will be there. Kerry Einerson as Team Canada, last year's winners. And Caitlin Law's team, formerly of uh, Team Jennifer Jones, I think she'll be in as one of the wild cards. So um, shout out to Team Jennifer Jones. And I'll go over the cool bed lines. Only one game, in, uh, sorry, one game in the NHL tonight. This Jets-Blues game, wonky schedule. Um, the Jets, big, big favorites as I bring it up. Uh, one second, my bad. Here it is. And we'll go over those Super Bowl lines. I didn't even touch on the footballs. Well, I know Hustler probably won't be stopped talking about football. But the Jets, minus 214 favorites, over under six goals. Uh, if you want to do a prop, you know, maybe you'll pick a goal scorer. Uh, how about, well, Kyle Connor, plus 131. Best odds, Mark Shifley, 165. Dubois, 171. Uh, those are some interesting ones there. Um, the Jets get back. That's pretty big. That's I gotta be honest. That's a pretty big favorite here for a team on a three-game losing streak. But I guess that's what happens when you're going up against a team who's on a four-game uh, losing streak. Uh, and what do we got here? Super Bowl lines. I'm shocked here. The lines haven't been going. I think they've been going back and forth. I think it opened Eagles maybe two and a half favorite. Went to Chiefs as a two and a half favorite, but now it's settled on the Eagles as a one-and-a-half favorite, and I was supposed to have Brad Gagnon of Bleach Report to come on. We are going to talk a little NFL, but uh, he emailed me during the show saying he had a big meeting, so wasn't able to. But uh, I'm shocked here, Eagles. I don't know. Are the Eagles, I know they've, they're a really good team. It seems like everyone they've played, at least in the NFC, they've just bulldozed through. Um, second half, it's just them running the ball, running out the clock. So I'm curious how they're going to do when they have a real test in the Chiefs. I know the Eagles have this good pass rush. The Chiefs, question of health. Pat Mahomes, how is his ankle going to be? I mean, at times it didn't look great yesterday. He wasn't able to roll out and make some throws. We'll have to see that. And how are their receivers going to be? Kadarius Toney going down. Juju Smith-Schuster was injured. And they also couldn't even run the ball yesterday at all with uh, Pacheco and Jarek McKinnon. So a lot of storylines. I don't know if everyone has a favorite storyline. Is it... Andy Reid returning to Philadelphia? Is it uh, the Kelsey bros? Uh, or is it Mahomes trying to cement his legacy? Or you got these two young, exciting quarterbacks, Hurts versus 
um, versus Mahomes and what the Chiefs third Super Bowl in four seasons. There's a lot. There's a lot. Jay Miller says, "When is Lowry going to score again?" I'm not sure. And someone pointed out in chat that Huss has an exclusive. Uh, let me see. Is there an exclusive? I don't know how to pull it. Cool bet exclusive, lock shop exclusive. Oh, they got a partner parlay. Here it is. Stay hot, Huss. He's got his parlay here. Thank you for pointing this one out. Kyle Connor to score, Josh Morrissey for a point, and Jets to win. Plus 270. I mean, that's not bad if you think that's going to happen. And I'll go over the lines again one more time. No, no. Do I need to guess? No, I'm ready to, to wind this down here. I've talked about I've talked all I can here. I've talked all I can. We've got Connor Dubois, Perfetti, Ehlers, Shafley, Wheeler, Baron, Lowry, Kuhlman, Annaline, and Stenlin, Gagne, uh, Morrissey, Pionk, Sandberg, Dillon, Cavalbianco, Schmidt. I'll go over the blue designs. I actually didn't even read those. Saad, Shen, Kairu, Barbashev, Achari, Tarasenko, Neighbors, Brown, Levo, Toropchenko. What? Eh, who's that? Eh? And, and Danov. Hitlick, uh, Letty, Pareko, Krug, Falk, Mikla, Bartuzo, Jordan Bennington. Supposed to be in the net. As I wind down here, I want to thank everyone tuning in, putting up with me for today as Hustler comes back. I want to thank our guests, Matt Leibel, Jeff Hamilton, Luke Korak, Peter Young. Um, thank our sponsors, Mantua Battery, Wallace & Wallace, Consolidated Supply, Vita Health, Royal, Boston Pizza, F Apparel, Culligan Water, Princess Auto, Nick and Nikki, DQ, Little Brown Jug, Canadian Club. Um, to remind everyone, our social medias, get, follow us on them. We're, we're ramping it up on Instagram. We're just past 3,000. Give us a follow there. All the links in the description of this video. And I guess Hustler always says, hey, podcast listeners, we're also on YouTube. Uh, search for Winnipeg Sports Talk. Uh, you know, we'll come up. Um, and yeah, hey, YouTube listeners, you know, we're also on podcast. So uh, try to get our follow numbers up on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, whatever you, whatever you prefer. But we are looking forward to the game tonight. Hopefully the Jets can get a win and we're not spending this player break talking about a four-game losing streak because that would be uh, you know, kind of depressing. We want to talk about, hey, they got, they got back on the right track against uh, the St. Louis Blues. You know, we're looking forward to the trade deadline. How are they going to add? Because some of the comments after Saturday's game, I don't blame Anyone for having these negative thoughts? Uh, Libel with his overweight eater analogy, very out of left field, very out of left field. But I think it made sense uh, to a lot of people. Uh, so, and I guess I didn't even talk about the, I'll, I will weigh in on the football. Um, just the final, not the final play, but Patrick Mahomes rolling out and getting pushed out of bounds there by Joe Osai. And I sitting there, looking at the TV, saying, what are, what are you doing? This is clearly a shove to an out-of-bounds player. Reminded me of when I saw Jacob Truba uh, holding the puck up against the boards at the end of Game 5 in the 2019 playoffs. Uh, not a smart play, and, and man, you had to feel bad for the guy. Um, shown crying on the bench after the game. And he did, you know, this guy, you forget, these guys are so young, only 22 years old. Uh, Joe Osai, and he met the media, and I want to give credit to the Cleveland.com reporter who had this, uh, Michael Nizelak of Cleveland.com. 
this video of Joel Stein meeting the media, owning up uh, to the Mahomes shove, the penalty that denied us all, denied all football fans of overtime. I really was hoping, you know, the game wasn't going to end. It was just so good, so entertaining. And we were deprived of what would have been an, another classic. I mean, it still was a classic. That was an, an awesome, awesome game. But here is his post-game comments. And uh, here, here I'm no question. Come on. He, been, he played his butt off the whole game. That's okay. a different question. Overall, I mean, what, it looked like guys were coming up to you on the sideline as you went through that. I mean, what was it like having guys come up and, and kind of uh, go? Kind of- I said it was great knowing that I had my, the support of my teammates. And um, I just got to, I got to, like Sam was saying, I got to learn from experience and um, I gotta know not to not to get close to that quarterback when he's close to that sideline. If, if there's anything that could uh, possibly cause a penalty in a dire situation like that, I gotta do better. Things are happening so fast there. Obviously, do you, did you did you have any idea you were you were at that sideline there? I mean, obviously you're in full chase and you know. Yeah, I was just in full chase mode, and I was trying to um, was trying to push him to maybe um, get him going backwards because I knew he was going for that sideline. I was trying to make him go backwards, get that clock running, but. Um, I, I didn't know. I, I haven't seen it yet. I didn't know how far out of bounds we were. But, um, yeah. I mean, it's, tough. it's easy for me watching at home on my, on my ass on the couch being like, what are you doing here pushing this guy? But, I mean, you're running full speed, trying to chase down Patrick Mahomes. Um, maybe you're not really aware of where the sideline is. Maybe it's something you should be aware of. I've not a, I've really played, played football. I've watched a lot of it. But, uh, I mean, that's a tough post-game interview and had one of his teammates there staring down reporters, you know, asking maybe uh, maybe two tough questions or, you know, maybe inappropriate questions. A guy really go, clearly going through a tough time and there was a clip of one of his teammates uh, screaming about why would you touch uh, the quarterback basically ever because uh, you can't. I do feel bad for that guy, but as Libel mentioned, I mean, the, they had chances. The Bengals. They had two opportunities in the fourth quarter to make a drive, and they were not able to. So look, penalties, penalties happen, and that would definitely, definitely was one. And uh, it's just a tough penalty to take at a really tough time. And uh, I guess some, I have other people in chat asking me to comment on the Royal Rumble. I mean, the Jets game, I had to turn it off. One to turn off. I had to turn on go second screen for the Royal Rumble. I was kind of surprised that the uh, Royal Rumble. Match was the first match, but Cody Rhodes taking it down. And this is this is why you don't tape sports. So I actually forgot. Hustler mentioned all his picks here, and I really forgot. And I texted him after the Royal Rumble. Did you take Cody Rhodes? And he didn't get the hint that Cody Rhodes, uh, Cody Rhodes won. He goes, no, I took Sami Zayn. Don't ruin it for me. So I don't know if he was having too good of a time watching the Jets game and didn't really follow that I had spoiled it for him. But again, that is why I do not tape sports. There's no, at least don't tape them and go through the effort to avoid the, and try, you know, have any hope at all that you're going to avoid the outcome because it's not possible. You're going to have dopes like me uh, texting you uh, about the outcome of the event you taped. And Mo Trucker says the Logan Paul moment was huge. That was, man, that guy's a legit wrestler. He came in, that was a pretty impressive Impressive what meet in the air clothesline was that with Ricochet? I forget who that was with. I could be on my WWE knowledge of the current product, not not up there, but I did tune in. I mean, how do you not tune in to the Rumble that's set up for WrestleMania? We'll have to see what happens if 
you know, the rock comes back or something like that. So, uh, again, had to touch on again, just another one of those sporting events from the weekend. There was a lot to get to. So thank you everyone who came in, tune in. I thank the sponsors. I thank the guests. I thanked all the chatters. Uh, appreciate, appreciate everyone who came in, uh, today. Hopefully the Jets can get a win. We can have another positive show tomorrow because it's kind of like a, you know, kind of rough here after losses. I know Kenny and Randy talk about that as well. So again, Hustler will be back tomorrow. Thank you again, everyone, and uh, we'll see you later. Bye-bye. Oh, my God. Oh! Shut it down. Let's go home. Thanks for tuning in to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Make sure to subscribe on YouTube and your favorite podcast feed at winnipegsportstalk.com.